I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies. uh, And in this way, we attempt to catch up on our respective cinemas. Uh, So it is the month of January, and we are in the midst of a special event we've been calling Fucked Up Shit Month. Um, Essentially what this is, is an excuse for Kyle and I to explore the darker depths of the cinematic world. Um, Both he and I have our own lists of movies that we've kept in the back of our mind, things that are a little off the beaten path, and to be honest, a little fucked up. <laughs> um, so this month is our excuse uh, to explore some of those films. Um, so, so far, uh, we haven't been doing the best job no, <laughs> in probing the depths of fucked up cinema. Uh, so, uh, Kyle, what did you pick this this week for fucked Ooh. up shit month? <laughs> we were so bloodthirsty, and we, we just didn't realize what we were getting ourselves into. I mean, into. our audience is just going, don't get cheap on me, Dodson. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was Hammond's fault. Um, that was Hammond's problem. So... This week is uh, 2016's We Are the Flesh uh, by Mexican director Emiliano Rocha Minter. Uh, Minter sounds like a German last name. Um, uh, but yes, it is... Ooh, uh, this, we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. He, uh, both Trevor and I picked this one out more or less, but I took it as my, cho- my choice because Trevor had Son quite a, a few. bitch. <laughs> Trevor had quite a few choices on the list and... Uh, I actually fielded some of my choices, and they weren't really going to make for good episodes. And you were going to have difficulty getting the devils in there, so it wasn't on the cri- or it was on the Criterion Channel. But I didn't want to have you uh, get the Criterion Channel just to watch it. Uh, yeah, so this is kind of uh, looks almost like a post-apocalyptic uh, uh, drama, and then it turns into straight up art house allegory. Uh, really wasn't expecting that at all. Um, I, I suppose the the plot of the story is um, uh, a young brother and sister of consenting age, hopefully, uh, <laughs> in the story. Um, in that. <laughs> uh, supposedly come across in this post-apocalyptic wasteland a man uh, who takes them in, kind of gives them work and gives them some food, and he just has them in embrace his ideals more or less and we have a an odd little twist ending I, that's the best i can sum up for this movie it, it's kind of hard to give you a give you a summary of yeah um parts of it are very straightforward and then at a certain point in the film uh you start questioning your your grip on reality yeah um because things just stop making sense um and you're you're kind of you kind of have to surrender yourself to the film because you really yeah. only have three, maybe four characters with speaking lines. Uh, there are more people in the film later, like towards the very end. But for the majority of the runtime, it's just two to three people, um, very little dialogue, and then a lot of intense events and visuals that do not feel like they transpire in the realm of reality. <laughs> no. Um, this, is, this is what you'd call like... <sighs> I hate using words like this, but transgressive art. <laughs> what do you mean by um, transgressive? Uh, push, pushing boundaries, like willfully wow, kind of, much. like willfully stepping over something. Like, mm-hmm. uh, So there's a, a type of Japanese performance art called buto. I may have mentioned it to you before. Um, it's, it's not like Dadaism, but basically it's 
it's really grotesque really uh it's oftentimes characterized by very slow movements and very grotesque uh, uh facial movements it, it's very difficult to explain because i don't even think it has its own rules basically it's just kind of supposed to be pushing boundaries and be very strange and uh unnerving and okay. oftentimes it's performance art but it can be many it can be many things sometimes it's a form of dance uh, i have a friend who did both dance and calligraphy um wow. and while you're watching it it gives you this feeling of i don't quite know what the fuck i'm looking at but i'm feeling something because it's 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 unsettling to be honest uh, a the, lot of times there's a lot of movements that involve like almost like contortionist techniques in some ways uh, basically picture the girl from the ring or the grudge <laughs> Um, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if both of those actresses had a background with that particular art form. Um, there was specifically a Japanese movie in one of the reviews that I read that this director, they claim, like, completely got influenced from. Like, it was, it was just, like, you could even look at some of the shots from the film and be like, oh, yeah, there was definitely an influence there. So it most likely falls within that category that you're speaking of in uh, Japanese mm-hmm. cinema. I wouldn't be surprised. Um. But yeah, um, I wanted to. I, I guess I should go. Ahead, should we? I'll wait and say what the director. Should we? Should I mention what the director said at the beginning, or should I? Mention I think you end? should. I think okay. you should throw it out there right away because this is a movie that I think anybody who wants to see it will have probably seen it by now. And you know, it, it, th- this whole thing is going to be us basically guessing at, at yeah. what the intended meaning of this film is. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of question marks throughout and a lot of puzzling instances here and there. So it's I think it's best to just get it out there up front. This is like introduction to Art House 101. We've never covered like a straight up Art House film. Uh, I This is more my, my lane than Trevor's. Uh, I actually subject myself to these movies quite often. Uh, but in this movie definitely has a classic Art House setup where it's we're giving you some sort of reality to grasp onto at the beginning. And then about a quarter of the way through, we're going to start to lose you. And halfway through, you just have to hold on for dear life and just hope that you know what's happening. And then generally, the ending is ambiguous. Uh, however, that's not the case here. And no. I think the I think that's kind of we'll, we'll get when we get to it. I think it's actually important uh, for understanding the film that the ending is pretty straight, like right between the eyes. Like, oh, okay. Uh, so. I'm just gonna I'm gonna quote uh, from Screen Anarchy. Uh, the director uh, had an interview with Martin Kudlock. Uh, yeah, and just uh, you know, just a little sit down interview with him. Uh, one of the questions that came up was, um, let me see here. The the movie is uh, Tenemos la Carne in Spanish. Um, leaves enough space for interpretation, but it's supposed to be a social commentary on the actual situation in Mexico, is what he's asking. And he said, and the director says, I'm not so sure about the social commentary. Imagination is always linked to reality. We might think that a film that is talking about the reality is always a realistic style, especially when you are making a social critique. I've seen plenty of Mexican films dealing with the Mexican reality this way. You see, you have these third world problems you have to translate for the first world. Like, you have to show the problem, but with a lower volume in a supposedly elegant, ele- elevated, elegant way that is a readable code for the bosses of the empire. And this is a very old and boring colonist issue. Uh, we Are the Flesh is a social commentary, but more in a way of reality hitting the imagination. It is exploring what reality is doing in ourselves, inside us, in our own caves. 
So that was... That's actually very fascinating. Um, And they do actually have a very strong point there. That It is kind of fascinating how, like, uh, when you look at a lot of Hollywood movies, the way that the way that um, foreign cultures are often represented in Hollywood films, like I'm, I'm not talking American films, I'm talking like big budget Hollywood films. So like, think like Dances with Wolves. Yeah, I actually like, just you, mentioned that. I mentioned that film today. We were talking about beef jerky. <laughs> of crazy. all things, <laughs> yeah, right. But my point is, like, you oftentimes the the way film producers and directors like working with large budgets and whatnot the, the way they approach concepts like that is well we need to spoon feed it for the people in the cheap seats you know it needs like the last samurai it's basically the same movie in japan <laughs> but basically it's baby's first japan or baby's first native american <laughs> so yeah the the themes that pop up in this movie uh i found a quote where he talks about that because there was one in particular that I think is pretty on the nose. You're like, I get what they're going for. There's a few shots in particular. Um, But they asked about the, they said, this is surprisingly graphic. And how did this happen? So in reference to the cave, he said, so for me, that cave was a scenario where all our dark fantasies could happen. It was a scenario of possibilities that rises in several directions. And one of them was to go back to the body, to the flesh and animality that is inside of us. In this cave, I was able to be free and not judging myself so hard to be able to confront these visions and never close my eyes, always looking. Um, oh, yeah. That, that To me, that was that was spelled out to us pretty pretty solidly. Like, I didn't have a problem grappling with that particular concept. Um, actually, I, I thought the the set and a lot of what it represented was one of the stronger aspects of the film because like i said it's it's not spelled out to you uh well actually there are a couple of lines of dialogue that kind of lay it out for you but um but just based on the actions of the characters and the way things um continue to escalate towards the end of the film uh it feels very cohesive in that regard like i didn't feel lost by that particular concept um, um, but Kyle, I don't know how relevant this is. I, this could just be me like talking entirely out of my ass. <laughs> but um, there was there was a, a subgenre of fiction that they had us read a lot of at one point in school, probably when I was very young. It was called magical realism um, or magic realism. Um, it's it's a subgenre of fiction that I guess is. It mostly comes out of South America. I don't know how much actually, how much that includes Mexico, um, mm-hmm. but usually it, it's South American stuff, um, and it's characterized by like somewhat mystical elements taking place in 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 reality. Like mm. like the entire story is it it's based in our reality. The the rules and physics of reality apply. But then just some weird, unexplainable, crazy horse shit happens from time to time, and everybody just kind of accepts it. I think Guillermo del Toro, like, that's 100% his lane. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, too. Devil's Backbone is along those lines. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth kind of uh, kind of flirts with that. Um, it's actually, I'm glad you brought this up, because um, my, uh, my housemate is Brazilian, and she was um, one of the things about this film some of the dialogue is really interesting it feels kind of like a crazy person rambling on however there are a few there are a few lines in particular that I'm like oh that's interesting uh, but she was mentioning at a certain at near the end when they're they're singing to uh, Mariano or to uh, Mariano 
that the translation was off. And I'm like, well, that's interesting um, because there are specific lines in here. Uh, gas, in particular, is used several times. In the beginning, uh, he goes on a rant where he says, gas, gas, gas. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm actually kind of curious if that was a literal translation. Was that was he actually saying gas or was he saying something else there? Um, so we might have actually missed some of the things in the translation. Well, I don't know about the gas because he's saying gas <laughs> and i'm pretty sure spanish bears enough resemblance to english that gas <laughs> means fuel. gas yeah. <laughs> means well, fuel or gas well think about this think about if you were to translate what he's making from gas to fuel gas sure. is a fuel if he's saying fuel that's something different that could actually mean alcohol in the sense or something True. else so also that's why, um, i mean the song that they're singing is the mexican national anthem at the very end not that one, when they're singing Happy Birthday. Kind of, the, oh, okay. She says that the translation was off. Um, but she mentioned that, uh, what was the word you used? The, the word, um, the, the... I'm pretty sure it was just gas. No, sorry. <laughs> um, oh, magic realism? Magic realism. She mentioned that uh, straight up when I mentioned, but yeah, this is a Mexican uh, art house film, and she mentioned that in particular, like it's very common in South America, and I yeah. think it does reach into Mexico as well. Um but yeah, uh, do you wanna do you wanna jump into it here? Just kind of talk about the the film. Do you have anything else you wanna discuss at the top? No, I, I think I covered everything I wanted to throw out there. What you got um, today? I've got I've got Darjeeling and gummy bears. What's your what's your? Oh, oh I have Kroger brand uh, ground coffee. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have some good shit squirreled away, but I'm like rationing it. Yeah. So uh, lighthouse. Yeah. Nah. Um, Actually, I probably should have made that this morning, just so I could be, you know, sharp. Sundays, yes. I would have, I would have snapped just now, but I can't. (laughs) I can't snap and I can't whistle, so sorry. Um, But yeah, uh, let's get to it. Um, Right off the bat, uh, we get tons of production banners. Um, Mm. Needs to be said, this is apparently a French and Mexican production, and I think there may even be some German uh, production banners on there as well. Uh, So this movie had financing from across the globe. Um, I, it's not a high budget movie, but this is the kind of movie that you do kind of have to fight to get the financing for. Uh, we should also mention here at the top that th- this actually had very mixed reviews, even within the art house community. Um, I mean, it, if you're going to watch, if you went into this movie, like you and I were going into it, thinking it was just going to be a wild kind of crazy movie, um, then you would have been disappointed for sure if you're not into art house because if you're not expecting it it comes on you're like okay well i'm just gonna go with it if you're not expecting it it's gonna get a bad review um yeah this is a very visceral movie but it's a visceral movie that kind of asks you to think about it a little it asks mm -hmm. you to ponder on what you're watching it's not it's not purely just a roller coaster or a thrill ride of of like emotion or intensity it's like no there's themes here there's a lot of imagery and concepts that you do kind of have to think about and i appreciate that Mm -hmm. um but funny, it's funny you mentioned that uh, that interview because uh, Screen Anarchy is that website I've mentioned countless times on the show. Uh, they're like one of my number one news sources for, for movies exactly like this. Uh, so I think that's actually where I initially found out about the movie. Uh, so maybe keep going there, Kyle. I'm, I'm okay. telling you, they, they have good shit. Good shit that you'll like. Um, but yeah, the, the first things that happen in this film is uh, it's just a black screen after all the fucking dozens of production banners right. and and we get heavy breathing on on a black screen 
and it intensifies and it gets unbearably tense to be honest yeah. like if i saw this in a the theater with a with a banging sound system oof this would be like you know push back into your seat and be like oh my god something needs to happen otherwise like i'm gonna lose my shit <laughs> yeah um and the first image we get is a panting bearded man um this is i don't know of any reputation the other actors in this film might have um but this this fella his name is uh noy hernandez yes um he <laughs> apparently was on the original iteration of Ms. bala uh, which oh, yeah. was a, which was uh, made into a film very recently uh, it was big it was a big fucking deal uh and he he has many production credits so he he is a known quantity in the acting world in, in mexico he um, is the other fen- actors oh yeah he's phenomenal all the performances in this movie are great uh but yeah he he is he is the joker of this movie <laughs> he's yeah. the heath ledger joker where it's like every time he's on screen it's like you oh, can't take your eyes hey. off of him he's an incredible actor he's um, great in this he's like he's super intense he's very visceral and just his facial expressions alone communicate so much um but, but yeah art he is our first image in this movie and it's like oh oh wow this has this has texture and intensity to it and then we get we go through a whole long montage it's not a montage but it's like a whole sequence of events for several minutes just following him doing stuff He's making, I knew from as soon as it started and he started mashing the bread in there, I'm like, oh, he's making liquor. Because um, <laughs> my dad makes wine and I'm like, there's an the extra process is distilling it. And as soon as I saw the distiller, I'm like, oh, he's making alcohol. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, he's going through all the steps. He's, you know, uh, he starts off with a red sludge, which was kind of, uh, you're not really sure what to make of that at first, but we'll put a pin in that. Um, he he has a whole number of things here, and I'm just gonna list it off here because um, I used that word earlier, texture. Um, th- that movie has this in spades. Um, and the first thing he's doing is he's like hauling cardboard, uh, which put a pin in that. That's a, that plays into so many of the events in this film. Um, and one of the things I noticed is he has a badge and a uniform on his jacket. Uh, so. I don't know if he's like a, a rent-a-cop or a, or a security guard or a, or a, I don't know what he is, but he has a badge and a uniform. So right off the bat, it got my mind starting to think like, okay, what's the significance of that, if any? Um, but yeah, the the camera work here is is it's very handheld. It's it's like verite. We're just kind of like we have this voyeur voyeuristic angle on him, watching him do stuff, and he looks like he's in a warehouse or something or in the back of a storeroom. Um, he's dump he's dumping some sort of fleshy muck and moldy bread yeah like like specifically moldy bread into a barrel and then he's pouring fluid on top of the moldy shit and he mixes it by hand just to make it extra icky <laughs> so yeah. it looks like it's it looks like he's making moldy gack or something and uh he wraps the container with cellophane and tape um, and then he uses a blowtorch on on a metal canister at and he seems super satisfied by what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. me, like I had no idea what was happening here. You said you picked up on it pretty quick. For mm-hmm. me, I'm just like, why is he dumping all this moldy shit into this this 50 gallon container? And like, he seems super happy and satisfied by it. I mean, yeah, well, maybe he has a thing like that that uh, lady from Patch Adams with the the spaghetti, like <laughs> like just like squeezing the, the wet spaghetti feels good oh. to her or something. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. <laughs> Yeah, good for you. Um, <laughs> it, it has some funny bits, but come on, it, it's not Robin Williams' best work. 
Um, no. It does. It does have some funny bits. It's it's hardly a movie without him though. The Bird um, yeah, is his best movie. You know, I need to rewatch that. Cause you do. I, I know you really enjoy it. I, I saw love it. it. I saw it a long time ago, and I remember really enjoying it. But I was watching it in the wrong circumstances. Like, it was a noisy room with people going in oh, and out of the door. Not, and, like, no. I think the kitchen was like making all sorts of noise. So it was just like a movie that was on while we were waiting for dinner. So I couldn't really focus. It's a remake of a French film that is an adaptation of a play, uh, and it's it's just a gas. It's so much fun. Uh, it's one of my favorite. It's probably one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I I really do need to rewatch that because I I had fun with what little I remember. I might watch it and, tonight. And uh, Nathan the- Lane, man, Nathan oh, Lane's a gem. Uh, <laughs> after the NFC Championship, I might watch the Birdcage tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, he he pours this this mixture, uh, this moldy bread mixture, into a funnel and into a metal canister, and then he starts raging like. We, we just do this hard cut to him in a totally different room, and there's a table in the middle of the room, and he's just flipping the fuck out and smashing this this table with a crowbar. Um, and this is, where, this is where we get to see the range of this guy's acting ability. The physicality, for Christ's sake. Holy fucking shit. Like, he looks like, he looks like a chimpanzee that found a fire axe, and it's like, you don't want a chimp to have a fire axe. It, <laughs> he can do set, enough with his hands. It sets the tone for the rest of the film, because past this... And besides the drumming, this is the most violent we have, he's is the entire movie. So when we introduce the other characters and he brings a certain, he's never like really super stern. He's actually always smiling. But there's you can just like if you know somebody like this, if you've seen a homeless, like the best I can think of is a homeless person like this that you've just seen like punching a wall and then they start smiling at people. You're like this dude is gonna snap at any minute. And that's it, it. Sets the tone for the rest of the film. For like at any moment, this guy could go off again. So it makes it super tense the rest of the time. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that they put this up front because, to be honest, like you said, outside of the drumming, he really doesn't have that many outbursts. No, I mean he he carries with him a dark intensity where it's it's like dad came home and it was a bad day kind of intensity mm-hmm. though, where it's like you just yeah. want to keep your distance. But it's not like he's like gesticulating wildly or like yelling at anybody he just like carries an air of menace about him he's like a Hannibal Lecter calm like a calm crazy where it's like he can snap and he can bite your nose off his his heart rate won't get over 75 when he's eating your tongue (laughs) exactly um so like you said I I think it's really neat that they put this up front because it's important for us the the viewer to know that that's in there somewhere (laughs) Um, but then he goes back to his metal canister, uh, and he's squatting in front of it, and it's burning something inside. And again, this is—I think this is about the the time where I started to kind of piece together what was happening. But uh, so this was old hat for you. But um, and then there's this rumble on the soundtrack that kind of reminded me of like uh, the the dark side of the force. Uh, whenever Darth Vader's choking people, there's just this oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, apology accepted um <laughs> alabaster lady sculpture is wrapped in tubing for some reason in the background i don't quite know what the deal was with that I, there's probably no significance to that it's just something oh, there the is. camera the camera lingers on it for a minute um and then there's the significance because wrapped... it comes up twice okay okay so the the tube wrapped around the lady pours out into a, a melted cup and uh it's a distilled mixture and he pours some out onto the floor and lights it with a match, I believe. Uh, and this is where he says, El gas. I said, La gas. Uh, apparently, gas is masculine. Gotcha. <laughs> gas. Um, 
But yeah, that- uh, so he has some sort of distilled mixture, of presumably fuel of some sort. Um, and it- then he has he has a uh, a child's aluminum can telephone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rigged up, uh, running under the like through the wall of this building that he's in. Again, it looks like a sh- a shithole, like a some sort of bombed out warehouse of some sort. Um, um, and then he rings the bell on this can and goes ding ding ding, and then he pulls pulls on a wire and he gets a tray of eggs through through the wall from some some force that we don't know who it is or what it is. Uh, so he has some sort of exchange with someone across the way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then he he goes to his his like he has a seat that he carved into the floor. Yeah, more uh, or less. Uh, this this prop was really interesting because it, it looks like I'm was it like layered cardboard or or like egg cartons or something. Basically, yeah. it's it's like stacks and stacks and stacks of thin layers of material that he carved out a chair for himself. So it's like a really shitty lazy boy. It's kind of cool. It's like a throne. Yeah. Um, and then we see he has some sort of tincture. Yeah. And what did you get from this, Kyle? Because this comes up multiple times in the movie and seems to be pivotal to it in a lot it's, of ways. It's pivotal. Um, for us, the viewer, it's some kind of tincture. I'm not entirely sure. I would assume some kind of hallucinogen. Um, I don't. We don't see him synthesizing uh, LSD at any point. Um, he could be growing mushrooms. I don't really know what's going on with this. Um, it represents something. However, with the, in the film's language, I'm not entirely sure what it's supposed to represent. Yeah, I mean, I have to assume it has to do with some sort of some sort of drug. Like it's an analog. Or a parallel to a drug of some sort um maybe maybe akin to like mandy where it's like we're not explicitly saying that's what this is but mm-hmm. you can fucking figure it out yeah um because yeah a lot of weird things start to happen after after this thing comes into play well, let's um, think let's think yeah. about like the like the reality of drugs is to take you out of reality and this is a person who's dedicating themselves to chasing that to he explicitly states at one point he's like i go into intrusive thoughts i i embrace them he's like i think it's just supposed to represent that drug regardless of the drug he has decided to remove himself from reality and this is how he stays away from reality he secluded himself and he keeps taking this drug we are assuming that he is on this drug throughout the film yeah um, then again, it could also it could also just be purely imagination too. Like it could be True. a placebo effect, or like where it's just like a MacGuffin or some sort short that actually doesn't have any bearing on the reality of the characters. It's just a prop. It's just a, yeah. a thing for us, the viewer, to latch onto. Um, but yeah, then we get uh, the first of many provocative images that uh, I don't entirely know what they mean, but they certainly they're striking. Um, and it's a bloody hand emerging from darkness. Like, it's just a completely black, just inky blackness. And actually, there's a lot of shots in this that are not 100% black that are really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're just shot in very, very low light. Um, and in an HD presentation of the film, you can still see, like, the speckles of, of grain here and there. Um, so you can tell that they actually shot film there. It's not like they just inserted like a digital plate of black or something. It's like, no, there's actually something being filmed there. We just can't see it. There's a post-apocalypse uh, uh, now um, 
uh, Marlon Brando coming in and out of the shadows moment later on, like a pulsing that I've I loved. It was it was so subtle. It just kind of came in. The timing was off. You're expecting to come back at a certain point, and it just um, comes in and out. When it's, when that membrane gets broken in this movie, mm-hmm. um, that shot is amazing. It's uh, it's something else. It's pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah. They, I don't know how how they choreographed it. Uh, something tells me that a lot of this movie wasn't terribly choreographed. It was just kind of like fuck. Let's do some stuff. That's <laughs> um, mentioned. That's mentioned by the director. Um, I'll uh, I'll find I'll find it real quick while you uh, while you move us along. Okay. Uh, so yeah, then we cut to a hallway. Uh, Presumably in the same building, we do later find out. Yes, it is uh, where where this bearded man uh, is staying, and it's it's a slow zoom down this hallway, uh, and then we cut back to the bearded man, and he's drinking and he is banging a drum uh, loudly in yes. a ethereal like violet lit room, and we do a slow zoom on him, and there is this really awesome camera move where the camera rotates in time with the zooming. As his as his banging on the drum escalates, and and as Kyle pointed out, this is violent drumming. Like he is yes. going, he's going to town on this drum. Like he's gonna break the he's gonna break the the drum basically. Yeah, and like being as he's the only character we have in this movie at this point, and we we the viewers still have no fucking clue what's going on. This is really intense, um, and it is utter insanity watching him go to town on this drum. Yeah, and he starts smashing stuff, and the camera is still rotating. Um, it needs to be said that some of the shots in this movie are really incredible. Um, but yeah, uh, the camera stops rotating and again, uh, very well choreographed camera work here where it kind of subsides like in time with his tirade, like when he starts to run out of energy and starts to come down a little bit. Um, and then we cut back to the hallway. Uh, I think it may even be the same shot to be honest. Um, and then we slowly zoom in. Uh, towards the back of the hall and one of the floorboards gets bashed upward and two people come out from under the floor and we learn in just a few seconds that it's a it's a young girl and a young boy um, and they're fighting over some water that they have and then they discover the bearded man um, and I think he was asleep when they first found him yeah he's passed out yeah he's passed out and they drag him from this room that I was calling the green room uh, because he ha- it's like a it's not astroturf. It's it's like that uh, that material that you have in like an office or something when you have like a, a little putting range or something for yourself. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um. Anyway, he's like laying on a whole bunch of that. Like it's basically stuff that you'd find in like a, a sports appliance store or something. <laughs> like, um, and they drag him. They just like drag him from that room and through the hallway and into a back room. Uh, and. One of the first things we get to see these kids do, other than drag this man, is uh, the girl starts jumping on the bed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for some reason, I thought that was a really good introduction to this character. Um, yeah. Just just how she invades this person's space and immediately starts jumping on the bed. It's, it's disturbing, given what happens later in the movie, but it, it just goes a long way towards kind of like introducing us to this person and how they're where their boundaries are i guess it's like fuck it i don't care it's like i don't care if this is your bed i'm gonna start jumping on it i'm gonna invade your space i'm gonna drag your body from one one room to another and start jumping on your bed well i think it also sets up the relationship between uh lucio and fauna the girl's name is fauna Mm. um i think it kind of helps uh you you can kind of tell that they're not 
um, romantically involved. I got the sense when they came in, like, this is brother and sister. She oh, I knew right like, away. Yeah. Like, yeah. right away, I just assumed. Like, there's a bond. It's like, I don't really want to be around you. It's like, I have to be around you. Like, you don't do that with, some like, a lover. Like, it's like, I don't <laughs> want to be around you. I'm just not going to be around you. With a, with a sibling, you're like, would you stop jumping? Just please, would you stop jumping? <laughs> For some reason, I knew exactly what was going to happen in this scene. It was the weirdest thing. I even wrote it down in my notes. So, um, they're jumping on the bed and stuff, and he's asleep, and then they fall asleep. And I'm like, I was actually watching her jump on the bed. I'm like, they're going to fall asleep, and then he's going to wake up. He's going to wake them up. And that's exactly what happens. And mm. I don't know why I knew that. It was, I don't know. It was just odd. It was, it was a weird transition for me. I mean, um, it's it's telegraphed to some extent. Was because, it okay? Oh, like just a little bit. There's just a couple of lingering shots here and there that um, you're going to have to help me out with, like, making something of that statue that's wrapped in tubing but well uh, just they go ro- they go, go from ahead. jumping on the bed uh and i think the boy mentions like this guy is so weird is he is he hibernating and it's like no i think he might just be on a lot of drugs yeah. <laughs> and he was just drumming very loudly and he's very tired um and then i think well it's interesting be- it's interesting they say hibernating because this, the, the the director was specifically this this film is shot entirely in this room and eventually in the cave. So it's funny that they actually say, "Is he hibernating like a bear?" Because well, I mean, you could argue that that's actually his intent. Is to, it is? That's what is, I'm saying. Is to that, literally that was, go like hibernate. <laughs> yeah, that that was the intention. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But there's a shot. Uh, I think directly before the the kids pass out, um, where the the girl, she like collapses next to the bearded man. And she's like worn out and sweating and stuff because she was just jumping on the bed. Um, and then we cut we cut to another shot of just barely perceptible darkness. And then we cut to the bearded man standing over the two kids. Yeah. Um, so I don't know something about that shot of the two of them laying next to each other. It's like oh, oh, it's just like this. Like keep an eye on those two. There's some there's some stuff going on there. Um, and now he has a pimp robe on. Um, <laughs> Kind of reminded me of a, uh, what what's his name Snoke, uh, from those recent Star Wars movies. Yeah, because he has that like it's like a golden fucking pimp robe, or it's like yeah. your face is so fucked up, but like you dress like fucking Hugh Hefner. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do I mean, you it's think? It, I I want to know if Andy Serkis actually was wearing that pimp robe on the set. <laughs> nah, he was in a he was in a unitard or something. Oh yeah, no that that man can't he can't get nothing done unless he has some sort of dots drawn on him. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> he needs he needs little ping pong balls on his head in order to get his his acting mojo going. Um, but yeah, uh, the kids they they stare at the beard man and he is whipping some eggs. Yeah. Uh, so so he didn't like do anything bad to them or anything. He took them into another room and he's making some eggs, and he has this battered metal bowl that's actually kind of a cool prop. Because again, like like you said in the description of the movie, like all the imagery we've seen up till now suggests there's some sort of cataclysm or something. Like, where are we? Why why are there people coming up through the floor? Why are they covered in soot and dirt? Um, it must be really shitty outside. Basically, is is what we have to assume. Um, and this bowl is just utterly mangled. It looks like it was badly battered or or melted in some way. Um, and he serves them eggs. And the girl, like, without really thinking too much, she just kind of, like, slurps up her egg. And I think the boy is uh, 
he's pretty hesitant. Like he doesn't want to, because yeah. this this is a weird looking guy that is perpet. He like has this like, he has this like Cheshire cat grin all the time. Yeah, uh, he looks terrifying. <laughs> like I I don't know if I want to eat or drink anything served to me by this guy. <laughs> the, the best way I can describe it, he he very much reminds me of uh, Sniper from uh, Training Day. That that actor, the guy who's like. I've my shit pushed him, bro. Like the really animated guy, and he also has like that. He's laughing and smiling, and like I don't trust this guy. Like this, there's something wrong with this guy. And he very much not that energy, but he has that same kind of sly smile. He actually resembles him a little bit, um, a little bit. When he, point, when he's clean shaven, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, to the point where I feel like I've seen uh, Noe Hernandez in something, but I I looked through his whole filmography. I'm like I've never seen any of these movies, but I've seen yeah. him somewhere. I haven't, uh, but other than Miss Bala, like I haven't seen that, but I know a lot of people who really loved it. So, <laughs> uh, so I know he's a known quantity in the acting world, but not to me personally. Um, but yeah, the the bearded man he urges the boy to drink his egg. He's like, "Hey, eat your egg." Um, and I forget exactly what the exchange was here, but um, I think the girl starts to talk to him, and she sa- she basically uses the phrase like, "I'm going to be honest." And he he doesn't cut her off, but his response is, "I love honesty," mm-hmm. and and I think that's very telling because, like you said, this is a character who later on tells us that he's he's kind of like knocked down all all of his barriers. Yeah. He's like, you know, I'm not going to make any illusions about who I am or what I want or what mm-hmm. I need. I'm just going to go purely on like animal instinct. And if I want to drum violently, I don't care if anyone sees it or or what they think of it. It's like this is what my my body my primal instincts are telling me i need to do right now so i'm gonna do it um and i think that's part of what his his facial expression might be meant to communicate is that just that's that's how his face that's what he's that's what he wants to project so he just does it like he has no more barriers Mm um and the girl uh basically starts to converse with him and makes a, a bargain for lodging uh, we don't know what it is she she offers to him, but she's like, we need a place to stay, essentially. Um, and then we do, like, a hard cut to the bearded man, like, setting a padlock on a door. Yeah. And then we get this, this Kubrickian shot of him on a tricycle riding through the halls wearing a helmet. <laughs> and it, you know, it calls back to The Shining. I mean, it's, a little, it's a low-angle tracking shot of someone on a tricycle. You can't help but think of The Shining. Yeah. Um, and the, go- the girl and the boy are locked together in this room that I guess the, the man locked them in there. And, and the boy is pretty unsettled. Like, he's not too happy about this. Very in much. fact, he's, he's like monkeying with the lock for some reason. The girl's like, just calm down. Like, she is she is just not, she's not bothered by any of this. No. She seems very comfortable with the situation. Um, and then the, the next scene starts with the bearded man saying good morning to the sun. And he comes in with his drum kit. And I kind of love the way this shot works because we follow him like stomping through the hallway, wearing this like miner's cap with a with a headlight on it and everything. And he's banging on this drum super loud, and he's like kicking his legs out and stuff. Uh, and the way he's framed is like from the waist up, so we're just following him. And then he walks through this room. The camera's like rotating around him while he's banging and, and drumming very very loudly. 
And then it's not until like 20 seconds later that the camera starts to pull back a little bit and we see that the kids are in the room with him. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time they've just been like, they just woke up. <laughs> and he's just been like walking in a circle, banging on this drum the whole time. I that's, figured that's what was happening. I mean, I figured too, but I just love that reveal, how it's like we're, we're entirely focused on him and then we slowly pull back and it's like, oh shit, <laughs> like they were in the room the whole time. <laughs> Uh, and then he makes them put on some, I think they're like low budget hazmat suits. <laughs> yeah, with nothing on underneath, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we get to work, Kyle. When what are we working on? We don't really know. Um, th- has he mentioned uh, to to uh, Lucio? He said, "If I see you in here, I'll kill you." That comes in. That, a, that comes in like a minute. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he kind of puts them all to work. It's 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 never mentioned, but they just start helping him work. Uh, they're hammering and tape. There's so much tape um, to the point where it ha- it means something, but I don't entirely know what. Um, but he's we're putting up. I'm sure if I had worked in if I had done theater in high school, I would have probably picked up on this a little quicker. Uh, but they're they're putting up um, just boards, uh, more or less, up like up on the wall and in a weird configuration to to the point where we're like, what's he doing? Like, I don't understand what's happening right now. Um, but yeah, he puts them to work uh, on something that we're not really quite sure what it is just yet. This would have been a moment where if somebody in theater had seen it, like, oh no, exactly what he's doing. He's making a he's making a wall. They're gonna put uh, paper mache or cardboard up and make something out of it. Yeah. Um, but I knew the alcohol stuff, so. Uh, <laughs> I come from a different world. <laughs> so, yeah, um, uh, Mariano goes by a door, and he's shutting it, and the boy, uh, Skeletor, or Lucio, is kind of standing over there by him, and he gives him, like, that wicked smirk of, like, if I see you in here, I'll kill you. Um, like, and you believe him. <laughs> yeah, and you believe him. Well, because we, it's never explicitly stated, and it, you just assume at this point that it's a barren wasteland, and these kids have found uh, a place to hide or a place to live, and somebody who's giving them food. So you're like, there's the um, there's the assumption that, yeah, in exchange for shelter and letting them stay with them, they have to do some work and also abide by his rules. It's never stated, but yeah, we kind of this makes sense, and along that along those lines, um, but he, I think um, the boy still doesn't want to eat the egg, and yeah, I think they, it comes up. They he they ask where do you get the eggs from? So there's a couple of lingering shots here. Um, so while they're all they're taping together these hunks of wood, um, it looks like they're building some sort of framework for something. Uh, Skeletor. Uh, aka Lucio, uh, he he notices that the the man takes a hit of that tincture that we saw earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, we don't know what the significance is at this point, but we know that he's dosing himself with something, and the boy knows about it. Um, but yeah, there, there's a cut here before dinner uh, where the bearded man is like squatting, looking at a jar with eggs floating in it. And it's like really dirty water, and it almost looks like like organisms are floating in there. Um, I hate to say, it, but it looks almost like sperm or semen or something. Well, and that's these... gonna come up. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, these eggs are in some nasty water with some like mucusy fluid floating around in there. Uh, and then we we immediately cut to dinner and him serving them eggs. Uh, and so we, the viewer, are like, oh no, not those eggs. <laughs> like those are tainted <laughs> eggs. Um, 
And all we really find out here is that the bearded man, he tells the kids, like, oh, I trade things for eggs. Um, but he, he only eats the eggs that come in the cartons. Like, and He's like, so, I like, don't both like the... eggs. He says, I don't yeah. like eggs. I like the cartons. I had a good laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. And the, the kid's just kind of like, okay. And, yeah, the, yeah. The, boy, the boy is a lot more guarded than the girl, uh, big time. You know what surprisingly never came up? Uh, after a, a line like that, he's like, I don't like eggs. I just like the cartons. Immediately, my mind should have gone to, oh, maybe this dude's a fucking cannibal, especially with that gross stuff at the beginning. Um, mm. And it never it never dawned on me until now. Like, that could have creeped into their mind, like, what the fuck does this guy eat? But I think at this point, we're going to have to start abandoning um, reality <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, it's about uh, to go yeah. off the rails. Yeah, let go of your logic. It, yeah. it, it's it's no good no more. <laughs> it's going but... to get very adult here soon. And I really do want to try to cover this as professional as possible <laughs> because Whatever. what we're going to be talking about is going to be out there. Well, I just want to make sure that we cover it because, God damn it, it's a movie. It can't hurt you. Just don't watch it if, if it's too much for you. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, we, we go back to work. We're doing more taping. We're building some sort of framework. Um, it's very skeletal at this point. We can't really piece together what it is. Um, but there's this really cool shot where it's it's the first time we see the scale of the thing that they're building. And it's it's the room. Like, it's it's the inside of a warehouse. It's It's vast. It's very large. It's very tall. Um, it's much larger than maybe you initially thought, uh, because all the other shots we saw of them working were very low. It's like you know at about head height, but no, it's like these people are having to stand on things to reach the top of what they're working on. Um, and then the the beard man references a a her um, that men fear. Yeah, and I I was like solitude. Is he is he referring to to like loneliness or solitude? And he has this this whole spiel here. That's the wording of it is very flowery. It's very it's 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 like insane ramblings to be honest, but it's very poetic in some ways. I know what you mean, yeah. And like just his passion is on full display. You can see that he he is in it. Like everything that he's saying, he firmly believes. We the viewer are utterly confused by it, but. There was one line here that I jotted down because I thought the wording of it, at least the translation of it, was really interesting. Uh, he says, your skull unfolds and blossoms like a flower. And when he says that, he is really feeling himself. <laughs> like, like, yeah. he, like he can see it, basically. And he's even like flapping his arms like he's I, yeah. flying or something. I was like, I, Jesus. I ended up I ended up doing that uh, just, like <laughs> just in the kitchen. Steph was just kind of around me, and I started doing the flapper. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "You wouldn't understand." <laughs> didn't watch the movie, um, but yeah. So he's he's embracing intrusive thoughts. Uh, intrusive thoughts are things that pop into your head that you know, like I'm not supposed to think that. Like for instance. If you're driving and you're like, oh, I'd be really fucked up if I hit this person. Like, oh, I don't want to hit that person, but what would happen if I did hit that person? It's like, but I thought that, and there's probably a reason why I thought that. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, he, what would happen if I went through with all those thoughts? Yeah. You'd end um, up like this guy. <laughs> as soon as he said that, I'm like, that brother and sister are having sex. Like, there's, I'm, I'm, I, knew, <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. I'm like, that's the taboo. Uh <laughs> It's a fetish for crying out loud, uh, but yeah. So he, it's a danger. Like I know where the director is coming from. 
and I think it's probably it, it's coming from a, I guess a creative and maybe an accepting kind of mindset where it's like we we shouldn't be hateful kind of deal like you, <laughs> should, you should you should embrace you should embrace uh, these kinds of thoughts like for people who are like I hate gay people I, the, the gay people are the fucking worst and maybe there's a like a little twinge in the back of their mind that's like maybe I'm gay and I'm afraid to actually uh, actually confront that kind of thing and I think that's more or less what the director is getting at not so much I should run over this person with my car if you if you get what I mean I think it's more in line with uh, behaving like that of an animal so so you have I mean I'm you know this stuff actually better than I do so you you're probably gonna have to give me an uh 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 (laughs) but um, I mean, you have your id, your ego, and your superego. Yeah. Uh, this would be a person living purely off of it, id, where it's like, mm-hmm. I want something sweet, so just put something sweet in my mouth. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm horny. Jerk off. It's <laughs> like, I want, I'm want. i tired. Sleep. Um, I feel like that's kind of what, what we devolve into when we're in the cave here. Mm-hmm. It's like we're behaving as, as animals without, without the the boundaries and the restrictions that we as people put on ourselves because okay. we have we have a conscience and we we exist in a society where there's expectations that there are certain rules you're not supposed to break yeah uh, some of which are enforced whereas like in the natural world where you know animals don't have such boundaries you know they they just kind of do what whatever whatever need that they have in that moment is the only need they have or it's like i'm hungry food horny fuck fuck <laughs> i get what you're saying i, I follow that and th- there's something to say about the primitive imagery that uh with the performances and with the cave itself i'm not entirely sure what the significance is um like what exactly the director is getting at um like, i i i feel like the the cave is equal parts like release for the characters where it's mm-hmm. like they this is a, a safe space where they can they can devolve in, into inhumanity and and just be purely as an animal uh, but at the same time it's also um, I feel like the the bearded man I think Mariano is the character's name by the way I don't think it's ever spoken in the film it's only in like the description of the film but the the bearded guy um, later on in the movie he makes references to like the womb essentially mm-hmm. as being like his ultimate goal like essentially like the world outside is so crazy and awful that i want to go back to the safe the safe warm place that was me being utterly out of out of touch with reality and not in control of my own life which just like all i do in there is sleep be warm and be taken care of by someone who is beyond my control and for a lot of people, you know, that that is actually like a huge comfort is the idea of having just being tended to being cared for in such a way that it's like all of, none of my actions matter anymore because I'm I'm taken care of. Well, even isn't the term um, fauna isn't flora is plants fauna yeah. is animals. OK, so yeah. once we get past some of the more intimate moments uh, coming up. I have a way fucking out there theory uh, about the relationship between uh, the three of them and uh, the primitive nature 
there's I just there's a there's a wacky theory I have. I don't think there's a lot to support it, but I just thought it was a weird. Oh, well, I mean, I absolutely thought. want to hear it. Uh, did you want to get into it now or? Like... Yes, let's 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 move forward through here. Okay. Um, well, let's, be, I kind of want to before we move on. I just wanted to throw a couple more quotes out there because I think they are relevant to what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, during this this same spiel that Mariano has, where he's flapping his arms and really feeling himself, uh, he's talking. I think mostly to the boy probably also to the girl because he's he's always aware of the girl always they seem Um, to be almost having their own conversations on the side we never see it but their 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 relationship and the way they interact with each other leads me to believe that they have their own they're having their own conversations on the side and we're only seeing him really talk to the boy i i think you're right actually that i hadn't noticed that but you're now that i think about that 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 actually makes a lot of sense because she seems to be further along in relating to the, the bearded man than than her brother put a pin in that yes yeah um but he says to the boy um their lives are a constant distraction from their perversion solitude forces you to confront your darkest feelings um so him like willfully receding or retreating into this cave is him like saying all those people out there don't know how to live basically like like they're they're constantly running away from from their feelings and their thoughts me i'm the more honest guy i'm retreating into myself and allowing myself to have honest conversations with with myself mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, then we get another one of those murky black shots it's a it's a very vague silhouette of a nude female form lying yes. on its side again the way these these sequences are shot uh, it's barely perceptible but I know the side of a lady when I see one. Yeah, it's pretty. And, and, it's pretty easy yeah. to pick. You, out. you can you can make this one out. Some of the other ones are more obscure. This one, it's like, nope, that's a hip. Um, yeah. But yeah. and then we get back to taping, and the beard man is pretty taken with the girl. Like he's very much. He's making some glances her way. They have like a weird. Um, they both put their index, the tip of their index finger on their tongue, the tip of their tongue, and they do like an air high five with it. It's yeah. it's very strange. <laughs> Um, they do it while they're taping, and uh, it, it's going to come up again here shortly. Um, but yeah, we can see that they're putting up cardboard on the mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, on the outside of these boards, and we we cut to a shot where uh, Mariano's talking to the boy, and he says he's like, "She doesn't let you mount her, does she?" Like he's he's explicitly talking about having sex with the girl, and he doesn't. He doesn't know that they're related, and we aren't really told until now that they are, although we can pretty much piece it together. Mm. And he says to him, like, he's like, she's my sister, and he's just like, like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, or what does that matter? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is actually his thought process. Again, this is a person who things like that don't matter to him, and a little later on, I think he... uh, I think the the phrase he he says to the boy is like your dick doesn't matter like your dick it doesn't yeah. your dick can't tell the difference and you know like if you think in those terms i guess that's right um but yeah at this point the the boy and the girl have had an exchange where the boy she she's being a weirdo <laughs> she, she's like sitting on top of like a filing cabinet and she spits onto the floor while they're like in their bedroom together and the the boy calls her a whore Mm. Um, jokingly, you know, it's brother and sister talk. But yeah, uh, uh, the bearded man has this exchange with the boy, and he, he says, like, she doesn't let you mount her. 
and the boy's just like uh hi good morning it's yeah. like he has, <laughs> he has nothing to say to that and the bearded man's like your your balls will explode it's like you you should at least jerk off and the boy's just like you know man <laughs> like i'm just here i'm just here to to paint the walls like <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah beard man follows it up with uh, i mean he's he's genuinely trying to help this boy like i think he means well and he at one point he even says like i could lend you some magazines mm-hmm. basically he's saying step into my office son like take take a little of my logic with you like my philosophy is like if it feels good it's probably good yeah and you know boy isn't exactly able to follow him in in this line of thinking but this is the bearded man kind of like pulling back the curtain on his philosophy a little bit and it's you know as as the viewer you're starting to get a little uncomfortable at this point yeah um um but yeah you know where this is going (laughs) it's yes like you you called it way in advance but by this point um anybody should probably know where we're going um but yeah, it's during this exchange that the boy mentions she's my sister, and the beard man's just like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." <laughs> that makes it really interesting. Uh, and then we get this really, really neat shot that um, its placement in the film is kind of fitting because we just had this dialogue exchange where we're starting to explore the the taboo that is, you know, that kind of business, um, and it's this really low to the ground tracking shot and the girl has built a blanket fort um, with like a lamp inside mm-hmm. and it's a really cool fort like, <laughs> like i remember building these things when i was a kid um but the way the camera maneuvers through it is um, it comes in and there's like two openings like an an enter an entry and an exit at either end of the blanket fort and the light is shining through because she has a lamp in there um and the camera just kind of like peers in like we're like we're going around a house essentially and it's looking in through the windows and the girl like invites her brother in there and uh the camera keeps rotating around the exterior of the blanket fort um and it's just a really brief moment but uh he comes in there for a second she kisses him and he runs off um it's very childlike like very uh i mean it's it's a blanket fort it's it's what you do when you're a kid it's just the thing you do but it, well, I mean, just the, the way it was shot was really interesting. Well, even the way, like, if you think about it in terms of, like, as, as a child, like, this is where you, you've seen grown-ups kissing and stuff like that. And at one point, like, a lot of parents have to be like, listen, like, you don't, you don't kiss mom or dad like that. Mom and dad kiss, mom and dads kiss each other like that. And this is kind of like what would be, like kids watching parents do things and then trying it with each other or even siblings doing it, which I'm sure happens. It, I'm sure it totally happens growing up. And the parents have to be like, listen, you guys don't do that. Mommy and daddies <laughs> do that. And you do that with other people when you get older. You don't do that with each other. <laughs> but that it, the, what I mean, it, like this scene very much felt like little girl kissing boy and him running off, like being like scared. Again, this like, this made me, it reinforced the the brother and sister relationship in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because you know we we've all grown up with with people who like brothers and sisters do stupid shit like that like they tease each other and like especially like older sisters will like fuck with their little brothers and stuff because like when you're when you're young like nobody wants that <laughs> but oh oh I, I just wanted to point out there's there's a uh, so 
a lot of that Japanese garbage that I watch, like Ultraman and Kamen Rider and stuff, um, they have a specific zoom that they do. It's oftentimes a transition during action scenes where like somebody will jump out of the frame and then the camera will just like ram itself into <laughs> into like where that person lands. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like this super rapid fire zoom. Uh, we have one of those immediately after she kisses her brother and he runs off and it's it's like just a head on shot of the bearded man like grinning into the camera. Yeah. And it's just it's just like <laughs> it's like it's not like Sam Raimi esque. It's hard to explain, but basically the camera just like assaults this man's face. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that was kinda cool. Um but at this point the boy finds the the tincture. eyedropper. Yeah, yeah, the tincture. And he takes um, it, puts it in his sock. Uh, I think he mentions to her that we need to go. That's when he's saying to the to her when she's in the tent. She's like, "Hey, we need to get out of here." Um, and smooth. she's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, "And then they then we cut to a real gross shot of some red meat. It looks like yeah. he traded some fuel for some red meat." Um, he's <laughs> there's a there's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Frank keeps leaving meat out on the table. And Dee and Charlie keep eating it. And at one point, uh, they get some more meat. And uh, she's like, oh, my God, this meat is so good. What did you do to it? And he's like, basically nothing. I just kind of threw it on the radiator for a minute. And then it's done. She's like, well, that's really gross. But I don't even care because it's so good. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> then just, I kind of chuckled to myself. I'm like, he probably cooked another radiator. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, he makes him some red meat, and um, and the boy doesn't want to eat, and she's just not, she's gnawing on this thing. She's just going to town. Like, he doesn't eat meat. Uh, He's never eaten it ever since we were kids. He's never really liked meat. Um, I I really, this was really good. Um, This is when the movie starts to kick in, and the performances on the other side, (laughs) the other two, uh, really start to elevate. Uh, He's giving him this story. What was the story about Nazis? Uh, He's giving him a whole spiel here. There's a lot of dialogue getting spit out here, and it needs to be said, this whole sequence is very intense because... Very intense. There's a lot going on. Um, I wasn't able to catch all of it, but yeah, he does mention something about... Um, something about po- poison used by the Nazis to kill the Jews. Um, and basically what happens is the girl who was eating the meat, uh, she starts foaming at the mouth and uh, convulsing on the floor, and... The brother's like, uh, I don't know what to do here. And the bearded man starts telling him the story about, oh, you know, like back in the day, the Nazis used poisons to kill the Jews and whatnot. And he's, he also just mentions, like, I'm upset you guys aren't eating. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, boy, you, you, I gave you this meat. You aren't eating it. I'm very upset. Um, and the bearded man basically makes it known that he knows that his his tincture has been taken from him and he wants it back. And he's saying, I can I can help her. But she's, I need that back. She's um, she's she's poisoned basically. She's she's spitting up, and it's very clear that he poisoned her. Well, yeah, she's writhing on the floor and foaming at the mouth. She is not in a good way. Um, she's doing then, a great job. And oh yeah, he's he's telling him he's like eat the meat, and he's like this is really good because he's like crying like, and you can see that he. You always wonder like how you react in situations like this when you really love someone like. What, what would I do? He's doing exactly what someone would do in this particular situation. We assume that it's post-apocalyptic, post-apocalypse. It's a wasteland out there, and his one person that he's with, his sister, is dying. And he's, like, snot bubbling, crying like crazy, just 
forcing himself to eat this shit. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he looks like he's hurting himself because, yeah. you know, like a steak or a, a hunk of beef, you got to chew that. Yeah. Like, no, he's like putting the whole thing in his mouth and it looks like he's he's just getting it done, basically. This is on and, par with Fastbender and Counselor. Like, this is incredible. It's it, it, very impressive. Um, it looks very genuine. Uh, he looks and I terrified. And I don't think this kid's an actor. Uh, I read in there, I think Fauna is an actress. I don't think this kid's an actor. This is his only film that he's done. Wow. The boy. That's right? impressive. Uh, so basically, the, the boy is being forced to eat all the meat um, in addition to giving back the, the eyedropper. Um, and yeah, she's convulsing on the floor. The boy is crying while stuffing his face. And it's just horrible because this the sequence is a couple minutes long and it's very intense, extraordinarily well acted. Um, and then we get this really strange, trippy editing uh, of the girl's face with a lot of a lot of freeze frames, and all the freeze frames are like motion blurred. It looks very strange. Um, it like, yeah. I don't I don't know how well you remember uh, Peter, Peter Jackson's uh, King Kong. Nah, um, I saw it one time. I don't remember it. One of the more embarrassing parts of that movie, and I mean, there's only a couple. One of which is people running on treadmills um, on green screens uh, <laughs> during the dinosaur chase. Uh, mm. The other is when we first get to Skull Island and the natives show up, um, who are inexplicably orcs for some reason. Um, <laughs> that they're made up to be like monstrous people they're like they're not human they're sub he owns but, the orcs though so he can use them yeah he he can do that only he can do that but anyway when when they first show up and they take all of our heroes captive uh we do these really horrendous like strobe strobe edits where it's it's not slow motion it's like there's frames missing and it's really blurry and choppy and it just looks cheap as hell um it's somewhat akin to that effect but done mm. better <laughs> i think it i think it's supposed to take you out of the movie on purpose because this is almost the exact moment where the the film shifts into something different up until this point it was kind of like a strange like the road kind of uh where it's where it's pretty much in reality we just were with a crazy person these these shots in particular this is exactly where the movie shifts to where it's like oh we're in someplace else now yeah, and I think it's telling that you 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 mentioned that it's like we're under the impression that it's like a post-apocalypse or something because, like, as a logical person watching this movie, you're working from the assumption that these two kids are staying here and living under these conditions because they're escaping from something worse. Yeah. Um, which, you know, put a pin in that. Um, but, yeah, they, they place the girl atop a platform of egg cartons, uh, I thought this was a neat prop because <laughs> it's, it's like a stack of egg cartons. Yeah, I caught it's that, like yeah. it's like three or four feet tall. It's a platform. It's a it's a funeral it's a pyre. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. He beat me to it. Um, but yeah, the everything turns blue, and the beard man starts ranting about all manner of things and uh, blues, gas, and all the cities. Everything and like the imagery suddenly turns orange. Um, and then the blue, the beard man starts starts jiggling and convulsing and laughing maniacally, and the camera starts spinning around him as it has done several times in this movie whenever he's having a moment, and this is a particularly violent moment because he's, I don't know if you've ever done this, Kyle, or witnessed kids doing this, but like sometimes just like jiggling or like yeah. just like kind of vibrating in place is just it's 
comfortable. It's just a thing that people do. And he's like doing that, but to an extreme. Um, but yeah, this is him like going on a tirade. By the way, the girl's fine. Uh, he yeah. he used the dropper. He used the tincture on her and her convulsion ceased instantly. And so immediately after that, he, he goes on this little tirade here. And there is another uh, Kubrickian moment here, <laughs> uh, just a cacophony of sound and and this rotating shot and there's lots of cuts. And the reason why I say Kubrickian is it kind of reminded me of that that choir from 2001, the <laughs> uh, the monolith sound. Oh, okay, yeah. It kind it just kind of reminded me because it's just noise, like a mm-hmm. wall of sound. That's just it's it's violent and it, it oppressive in some fashion. Um, and then the bearded man collapses on the floor in fetal position, and he ha- he shares with us a few more lines of dialogue here that maybe maybe go towards explaining some of the events in this movie uh he uses the phrase i left this place 47 years ago i think Mm -hmm. that explicitly means the womb um i was born 47 years ago essentially and we now have a artificial recreation of the place that i left aka my mother's womb um i was only a floating stain do the math (laughs) uh dense and warm existence that embraced me and again i i think it's it's very explicit that he's he's referencing his mother's womb mm-hmm. um and then uh he carries the girl and uh he he makes more reference to longing for the warm safe space of the womb in fact i think he even says that word <laughs> we forgot something uh, specific uh that comes up there's a picture Mm. I'm not sure if it if it's about. I think it's about to happen, mm-hmm. or I don't know if they find it on him when they first find him. Um, the girl, the little girl who who looks it pregnant. Comes, it comes it, after the. Okay. After I the wasn't business. sure if they saw it when he was asleep when uh, when they initially found him, so it is um, coming. But he <laughs> he has another uh, line of he has a little nugget of wisdom here to the boy. Um, you wallow in youth, but you are nothing but rotting meat. Mm-hmm. It's like ooh, ouch! That's cutting. That's good, <laughs> it's like. <yeah. laughs> It's like when you really think about it, it's like, man, like being a teenager or a young person really is just kind of like stewing in your own bullshit. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, you can't do anything. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's like you know, regardless of your age or whatever, you are just a person. Like your mm-hmm. your problems aren't any bigger than other people's problems. Um, but yeah, the beard man he continues to taunt the boy, and and as you had mentioned earlier, he he nicknamed him Skeletor. So yeah, Skeletor. Um, which is very common in his, like, just, I don't know, I can't speak to South American culture, but I know in Mexican culture, nicknames are pretty much nobody is called by their actual name. <laughs> like, you, everybody has six nicknames, so, I, like, I got a kick out of that. I was like, eh, Skeletor. <laughs> um, but yeah, and he continues to insist that the, the boy uh, has a thing for his sister. And this is where that line comes out about, like, you know, your cock probably doesn't care either way, like, regardless of what your brain thinks, what your mind is telling you. Um, And then, fittingly enough, uh, the next shot is a slow zoom onto the girl's face. So it's like, hmm. (laughs) I know know what you're trying to do. (laughs) 
Uh, and this is this is where we get to the the part that's probably going to scare a lot of people away from this movie. Yeah, if you're following us so far, uh, I think you know where this is going, and this is going exactly where you think it's going. Um, we'll just say before you, before you go any further, the taboo of incest is about to kick in. Yeah, trigger um, warning. And <laughs> this is done uh, so there is definitely a fetish. It's definitely a thing where it's like. Oh, bro, bang sister. Like, it's a thumbnail <laughs> on porn sites. It's a big thing. But you can just glance right past it. And, like, there's no way those two are related. It, it doesn't even matter. This is not that situation. This very much, my reaction to this was like, wow, this feels real. And it's two actors that are definitely not real. Definitely not related. But it, it's powerful. Like, it, it's very in your face. Uh, it's very, the, the <laughs> there's... He has him take off his clothes, and he he's like, "Your cock is so ugly," and he actually yeah. <laughs> flips it. He flicks it. He's yeah, he flick he flicks it up. <laughs> yeah, he kind of flicks it up, and then they, um, Fauna and Mariano share that that finger tongue thing uh, that they do after he has her disrobe, and it's too young. They're in their like early mid twenties, like they're um, both naked in front of each other, and. I know it's happened before. Uh, there was a film with Chloe Sevigny. It was one of the few like uh, art house films that showed actual oral sex happening. Mm. This is, I mean, this it's happening here, which is why like going into this movie and when it was about to happen, I'm like, they're not going to hold anything back because it's definitely been done before. Was that <laughs> the Was that the Brown Bunny or whatever? I think so. Yeah, I think that's literally the only thing anybody has to say about that movie. Yeah, Cause, that's because I I know I've known too many like trivia people like people that like being the will actually person in the room mm-hmm. that that was like the one thing that they had to throw out there just because it was yeah. it was controversial <laughs> at the time because i think it was like the first time it had been done uh i think she was married to the director as well well i mean put it this way i i know nothing about that movie other than that like i have no desire to see the movie because i don't even know what the movie's about <laughs> i just know that that happens at the end yeah uh, because too many idiots online or offline have, have made it known that i needed to know that <laughs> so i know that but this this sequence is i mean it's an awful thing to say because it's a it's a very it's a very challenging and difficult thing to witness but this is done very well um it- it, be, from a filmmaking standpoint, this is done very well. It's to the. It was like, I'm not trying to be childish, but like it. It was getting there. Like I was like, wow, this is like this is tasteful stuff. <laughs> no, uh, this is. Ridiculous. I mean, put put it this way, like the, the one thing that stood out to me in in all of it, this entire sequence, which is a few minutes long, like yeah. it's not brief. Um, we don't shy away from it. Yeah, we do not shy away from it, and that's actually where its power comes from is is mm-hmm. how matter of fact it is is how the the stillness in both the cinematography and the edits where the camera's locked down it's just this this wide shot and it's all three figures standing up in front of each other uh both the girl and the boy still have their hazmat suits on like you said there's nothing on underneath um and the man just like very calmly and simply says take them off and then they like first the boy unzips his and a few seconds later he says oh uh, unzip hers and then he does hers and the whole time the camera's just kind of like hanging out and the performances of the actors like they don't come across as disturbed 
No. Like they're they're just kind of like doing what they're told and like their posture and the way they handle themselves, everything's very calm. It's very it's very I mean, there is like an air of nervousness here because, you know, anytime you're naked you're you're as exposed as you can be essentially. Um but yeah, uh Beardman teases the boy for being flaccid and you know, he asks the girl to help him out with that. And like you said, this is done through oral sex and um there's there's a really disturbing angle here. POV, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a POV. It's a pro- I believe it's a prosthetic. That, I think you're right. I'm uh, pretty sure. They're going to have we, some We kind get of class a good here. look at it. I'm pretty sure it's prosthetic. It's um, a prosthetic, yeah. It's a prosthetic. It's a prosthetic. <laughs> prosthetic. That's a funny word. But yeah. yeah, we get this POV shot from both angles of the boy looking down at his sister, and she's looking straight up into his soul, which makes yeah. it terrifying. Uh, and then we get a reverse angle uh, from her perspective looking up at her brother. But then we do this like twice. And the second time, the beard man is standing in for the brother. Mm-hmm. What what was that, Kyle? Because I'm not sure what that was. Let's put a pin in it because I have my crazy theory okay, coming up. Okay. Um, and it's going to play into it a bit. Okay. So the anyway, the boy is now ready to, ready to get down to incest. And I... The girl just kind of lays on her back, and they get down to it. Yeah, and then we we cut to uh, we predator vision. We get thir- uh, was it therm- thermal red? Yeah, it's infrared. Infrared. Right. Sorry, Th- infrared. Thermal thermal cam. Yeah, thermal it's, cam. To- it's totally predator vision. It's you predator need vision. Need to have that. Which it's it's. <laughs> I'm very thankful because like I, I'll be honest with like this scene was like I'm like wow this is fucking this is intense like this I don't looks know how genuine i don't have a sister so i've never had thoughts of you know <laughs> thoughts like this before i'm like damn dude like this feels I, it felt wrong but like it was it was done very well so we have this like we're seeing like the mcgruber like butt <laughs> 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 like doing its thing and um yeah. I think I think this was good, but there's singing in the background, and yeah. I had to pause because I started laughing so hard at this. But there's singing in the background, and it's supposed to be very romantic. And even the way, like, even the way it's being filmed, like the actors, it's it's not an aggressive like like animal sex that's happening. It's very sensual, um, and there's like this. Uh, like sounds like fifties like love music happening in the background, and then we cut to Mariano is um, is masturbating and he's the one singing. <laughs> and I could not stop laughing. Yeah, he's he's doing like a William Shatner like spoken word version of the it's beautiful so the beautiful funny. piano track that we heard during yeah. the act during the thermal cam footage was an yeah. actual like period like love ballad from like the 50s or something and then cut to reality and it's this like bearded homeless man kind of singing a busted ass version of the same song and he's stroking himself while he's doing it yeah it's like it's like in a if you were to edit this film totally differently that would be you could make that fucking hilarious <laughs> but yeah. this is not a funny sequence. it's not a funny sequence but it's i'm, I'm right be... there with you i did you know, I chuckled. I'm a child. Funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> just because because you're, you're it it just shifts so drastically for me. Like it like you think it's them like feel like hearing this in the background, but it's actually just him singing. It just it is pretty funny. But yeah, 
He gets there uh, and falls down, and he's dead. Dude, like applause to whoever built the prosthetic um, toothpaste tube. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I've I've yeah. never act I've never actually done that with a with a tube of toothpaste. You know, just like mm-hmm. squeezed squeezed and shot the whole thing out. But they uh, they got to do it probably more than once because it's yeah. a film set. Um, and yeah, he 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 reaches completion i guess yeah. <laughs> he climaxes and uh immediately falls backwards and uh fade to black and then we yeah. fade up uh and the boy is standing over the the bearded man and he's like kicking him with his foot and then he leans on top of him and he calls out to his sister who's off camera he's dead yeah. <laughs> like, i think he's dead uh, so uh, yeah, he he came so hard, he killed himself. <laughs> uh, I think they drag him to they drag him to a bed and just yeah, and put taps a, plays as they're, yeah. as they're dragging. I was like, what is this now? <laughs> uh, so now we have a full cave. The cardboard has been put up um, after he's dead, and it it looks like a straight up cave in there. Um, and we're starting to get to where my, my theory's coming in. Um, this okay. is this is where we start to get the real primitive imagery, um, and especially in the actors' performances. So we have a cave. Uh, we occasionally have a shot of them looking out of the cave at some kind of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily look like the sun. It looks like a like a, a, a theater sun, like like if you're watching a play, like oh the sun is coming up kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's an approximation of a sun or or a different plane of existence or something along those lines. But um needs to be said the the lighting in we've been calling it a cave. Um I don't know what else you'd call it, but it's it's a man made structure that they all made, but it it had some hours put into it. Yes. <laughs> it's like paper mache, cardboard, something or other. Um it needs to be said that the lighting in here changes radically from scene to scene. Um mm-hmm. sometimes it's like like garish blues and oranges and yellows. Sometimes it's red. Sometimes it's purple. Uh, just depending on the tone of the scene, uh, this is an element of the film that's like beyond reality. Um, there's no real logic to it. It's just like purely impressionistic. Mm-hmm. Like we're watching a Zhang Yimou film or something, where it's like everything's green. It's like why? It's like because it should because be green. Because it's, yeah. it's a green. Because it's a green moment. <laughs> it's like, uh, and they also uh, they bring their mattress into the cave. Um, yeah, this yeah, is where he's I was trying, like, "Oh shit, they're starting to yeah. get cozy. This is not good." <laughs> yeah, he's he's trying to lay down. He feels like you can get the sense that he's kind of ashamed of himself. She, she's moving, she's going along like nothing's happened to the point where he's like, she's bugging him and like kind of bouncing him and laying oh, in bed. Kyle, and, the the way that she's bugging him, I thought was, I don't know, it just brought a, it put a big smile on my face because I thought it was so perfect. Um. They have like the mattress set up, like, not on an even surface, so it's like curved up a little bit, and she keeps rolling down it like a hill yeah. onto him, it's just over it? and over and over again, and she keeps crashing into him, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> like no, like he's almost like whining at her, and I was like, oh my god, that is that is such a brother and sister thing to do, like yeah. I f- I'm pretty sure I've fucking seen that, <laughs> like yeah, it's perfect. Um. But yeah, the the boy he uh, he attempts to shout for food, uh, in the hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. So now we, we're we've completely just taken over the bearded man's space, um, and this is where the girl starts to loot the bearded man's corpse, uh, and they do a decent job of like making him up to look pretty, pretty dead. Um, and this is where <coughs> she finds a photo of what appears to be a very small girl who is pregnant, 
Yeah, very strange. Yeah, um, I'm still not quite sure what to make of that, other than maybe that was his mom. Yeah. That's my assumption, That's, and I'm sticking to it. Um, but yeah, they throw a sheet over his body, and uh, then we get another one of those murky black shots where it's a cool, it's a couple of cool shots of the of the girl in like a black pool, and she's illuminated by orange, like just like blinding orange light, and so she's in a black pool of of liquid of some sort. Um, and this is where she starts to go off the deep end a bit. <laughs> um, I believe she's naked crawling on the floor this was working for me i didn't know i was into that but the the mud crawl was the mud crawl yeah yeah i I can appreciate the mud crawl it was definitely working for me i'm like okay i'm into that um (laughs) (laughs) it's just like wow we've been doing a lot of that this week or this month (laughs) when we get to the the very specific like oh wow we went there moment um that's when i'll kind of discuss my theory uh so yeah the mud crawl he kind of pushes her off like he's not in the mood for it she very much she starts to straddle him and very much you can see she's into it it's a very like she's walking on all fours so i felt like there's like that a real primitive like something primitive about it yeah um, absolutely very animalistic and uh then they're it looks like they're having sex, um, but he's like masturbating to like he's like masturbating and thinking about it in the yes. hallway. Yes. Um, and I'm like, is this real? Is this a fantasy? I think it's just a fantasy. And um, yeah, the get... the shots of them like his fantasy, those mm-hmm. shots are really cool looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's they're like it looks like they're covered in like like dark blood, like like black blood almost, mm-hmm. uh, and. And the it, we're it looks like we're in the cave, but the ceiling is lowered to like to a claustrophobic extreme where it looks like the ceiling's almost bearing down on the two of them, and it's it's lit in blues and oranges and reds, and then we there's this intense flicker editing uh, back and forth between him jerking off in the hallway and that, and just the imagery in there I was like whoa fuck that's cool looking disturbing but cool looking. Um, and then uh, it looks like she was not entirely deterred uh, because we cut back to the two of them together and now she's on top of him. And it's normal lighting, though, so it's it's not fantasy at this point. And uh, she calls him by another nickname. Uh, so, yeah, she calls her brother Lucifer. Lucifer, and then, wake uh, up, yeah. She uh, stands over him and removes her panties mm-hmm. and demands that he close his eyes. And yep. then... Uh, it's a what is it? Open your mouth and close your eyes, and you will get a big yeah, surprise. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, and yeah, uh, we this get a was shot. Very rough to watch. Yeah, this was very disturbing. Uh, so he he complies, and uh, we get some shots from both their perspectives. Um, no explicit detail other than blood dropping into his mouth mm-hmm. um, as she's standing over him. Do the math. I'm not going to get any more specific than that. Nope, you know what's happening. Yeah, you. I hope you know what's happening. Um, and then uh, I think she has a line here where uh, there's no such thing as love, only demonstrations, demonstrations of, of love. love. Um, it was the most noteworthy quote from the film, in my opinion. I thought was that, really that was that was interesting to me. Like mm-hmm. that that's something you can chew on for sure. Yeah, I um, I really like that line. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Like for a movie that really doesn't have much dialogue, there's a lot of nuggets of of wisdom Mm -hmm. here and there um but yeah we get another one of those murky black shots of 
this time of naked forms moving forms plural uh, moving in darkness um, and it, it seems it seems like it's it's representing both kids naked in a womb um, her awake and he asleep oh oh it's the two of them uh, in the cave and it's these oblong angles of her like wandering around the cave and him asleep and the lighting is really trippy here but um then we get another moment here where it's like i'm not quite sure what this is supposed to mean but uh the girl she finger guns like she she's doing like a a you know she makes a finger gun Mm -hmm. and uh the little girl from the photograph the little pregnant girl is there and she does like a and the little girl falls backwards and it's like I'm not sure what that means. Uh, it's provocative, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe maybe we can chew on that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think what what's the next major event here that happens. Um, um, we get some under underside close-ups of genitalia. Yes, um, we do. We get <laughs> her just looks like she's sleeping, and it's just a just un, uh, an undershot of her genitals and it holds on it for a good 30 seconds oh yeah and then we go over to the gentleman uh the gentleman (laughs) get a good 30 second undershot of his genitals and yeah and uh this is not fake no Um, this is real because uh his his sack does some stuff that uh only happens i think with with real genitalia i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure this movie didn't have the budget uh nor nor should they have bothered to make fake no. genitalia that moves like like the real deal yeah it's like it's like yeah you know it what you're looking at is the genuine article and we hold on it for a good long while um, um yes yeah. and then we get um where i like i know where this is going um fauna goes into the room where uh mariano is dead and i'll just wrap it up real quick we get some non-penetrative non-penetrative sex with a corpse um, this was very strange. This is where my theory came in after a little bit. So you're gonna have to walk with me on this one. It's a little strange, but I feel like there are some themes of religion going on. And I mentioned the statue at the beginning was significant. I'm not sure what the significance is specifically, but I think it could kind of represent, um, uh, ancient Greece, um, or ancient Roman philosophy, like kind of the, I think therefore I am. That's because it has like that Hellenistic look to it from like that time period. So okay. I thought maybe that's what it could represent. And then we definitely, we mentioned Lucifer. There's a few shots of uh, Mariano when he comes back. Uh, he very much has a devil look to him near the end. And I'm like, we're kind of messing around with primitive nature of humans, definitely like them, like kind of roaming around the cave, her doing the mud mud walk to him we have siblings you know um having sex and i'm like is she her name's fauna i'm like does she represent um like does she represent earth and like does the boy represent man and uh, mariano is like some kind of like he's like the the life energy of of the human race where she's she represents mother earth in that she doesn't care about she she only cares about life and death where she has sex with her brother like just mankind life she also mm-hmm. 
has, you know, un, not penetrative sex with a corpse, death. Like, she embraces both of these things. I don't know. I, I was kind of trying to find something there. I wasn't really sure. I was thinking kind of the scope of mother a little bit. It kind of popped up in my head. Um, I couldn't make sense of it, but it was like the, just like the, the, like just the scratching of like, maybe there's something there. But I honestly don't know, because it seems odd to call him Lucifer, wake up. Like she says, Lucifer, wake up. And I'm like, what? Are we are we talking about like how religion came about? Uh, I don't know. It, it's very murky, and I might be projecting a bit, but it is an art film, so you're supposed to project a bit. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's so much that's open to interpretation. That's like if you got all that from it, that means the movie did something for you. And yeah, I mean, I certainly didn't have those impressions from what I saw, but yeah. that's really cool that you you were able to glean that from this. But it's funny. Um, I don't know this is this could be me reaching on a topic that I don't have as much background as you do but Lucifer fall from grace mm-hmm. just kind of banged his yeah. sister yeah and this is you know the first instance where she calls him that after that so maybe and also his behavior like remember in the early stages of this movie he was he was the one who was more Shh. controlled more subdued yeah was kind of guarded uh, she was the one who was more willing to go along with everything. So, you know, in some ways, like, and by the by the time we get to the end of this movie, he is, he is on her level, like, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to save this for the end of the movie because we might, we might start piecing, to, piecing it together more by the time we get to the end. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't want to, like, let the cat out of the bag. But I, I have a little bit of a theory that I've been developing – Actually, just as we've been talking, like it, I didn't write it down in my notes, so I'm gonna let it stew for a few more minutes here. But uh, yeah, she uh, she dry humps a corpse. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, uh, Mariano's uh, makeup here is done pretty well. He is yeah, he looks gross. His pallor is gray. This is a very Mexican man that is now gray. Um, yeah. So yeah, makeup technicians did their job. Um, and then uh, the the camera work as she's mounting him is is very floaty and very intimate. Like it looks like a almost like a voyeuristic like sex scene, even though you know, like you said, there's no penetration happening here. But uh, then we get a really bizarre and intense moment where she uh, pops a squat in the hallway, and she repeatedly says the phrase, uh, "Neither the sun nor death can be looked at steadily," and she says this in rapid like rapid fire um, over and over and over and over again. And she just pees in the hallway as she's like staring up at the ceiling, saying that, reciting that line. Um, I'm not sure what the line means. Uh, neither the sun nor death can be looked at steadily. Um, but what I got from her peeing in the hallway is this is, this is a human being that is devolving into, mm-hmm. you know, animal instinct kind of. Um, yeah, then we get a shot of somebody praying. I don't yeah, it's know the little pregnant girl on top of Mariano, like yeah. praying. Um, and actually, I think everybody is seen praying in this yeah. this very brief montage. And there's humming on the soundtrack. And I think we definitely see Flora and the little girl. I I can't recall if the boy is seen praying, but pretty much everybody's praying at this point. Some kind of religion is playing something here because we're having too many. Like you don't mention Lucifer without trying to say something. It's not an accidental name. It has one. It's one person that we're we're specifically speaking to, and it's 
the yeah, Christian. And, the, and the we're Christian. about to have a resurrection. So yeah. <laughs> make of that what you will. Uh, um, there's so a cave we, we, storm. Yeah, yeah there, <laughs> a cave storm. <laughs> Those cave happen storm. sometimes. <laughs> oh, go ahead, um, but yeah, um, Mariano is about to be reborn, and this was the shot that I specifically liked. We have like uh, it's it's like pitch black, and but we have like this pulsing, just a it. You can't even make it out. It's just like like the front, of, like the the top of the head almost just kind of pops out a little bit, and it's. Very slowly, and I guess it's more or less somebody being born. Like this is crowning, more or less, yeah. um, happening. And yeah, Mariano's reborn, and this oh. is a yeah, this is a wild scene. Uh, I, I thought this was my favorite shot in the whole movie. Um, exactly what you described. It's it starts out looking like one of those murky black shots where it's like I can't quite make out what I'm looking at, and then we hold on that, and like you said, this this image starts to come to light and it looks like the outline of a person's face and then it recedes and then it comes back and it's a little bit more clear and um, it becomes apparent that essentially we have a wall like just a wall of darkness and um, yeah this 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 head breaks through some sort of invisible membrane uh, and some fluid pours out onto the floor and uh, that I don't know if it's the same song. I don't think so, but it sounds like a 1950s like rock and roll ballad, mm-hmm. um, something you would park to, <laughs> as, yeah. as, as the Pleasantville kids say. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Mariano, clean shaven, uh, naked, and writhing on the floor. And uh, it's trippy as fuck. But uh, like, just I don't know how the effects work was done because really, it's like it's like a, a wall of. Remember Ace Ventura? <laughs> when nature calls. Remember the rhino? It's, it's it's like an entire wall made of the rhino's ass material, but transparent. And then mm-hmm. when he pops through it, all this flu- this fluid pours out, and it's it's like it's like watching a a dark mirror break, and then fluid just pours out of the wall. Um, and yeah, Mariano's first words are like. Do, did you miss me? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, what movie are we watching? <laughs> it sounds like something out of a nightmare on Elm Street or something. Um, but yeah, uh, the girl immediately like socks him in the face, if I remember right. Yeah. And she's she's upset, like she's in tears, but it's like the like don't scare me kind of like tears. Um, and then uh, Mariano refers to them as a family and says, "I'll never leave." Um. And then uh, we start to introduce some new elements to the cave, uh, some new people. And this is where things start to get very strange. And uh, um, I, don't, I don't know if at this point we're starting to like peel back the layers on the big reveal at the end. Um, but yeah, we have like a captive of some sort. And it's a girl. And no, no, the girl is crying. Uh, the, the sister, rather. Yeah, and, uh, she's dragging her brother through the hallway, and uh, he has a hole in his temple, yeah. like like a like a big nail sized hole in his. It's temple. like a bullet. It's like a, it's a bullet wound. It looks like. Yeah, uh, he has a hole in his head, and it's a yeah. it's a grisly wound. Um, and of course, Mariano's solution to everything is to stick the tincture in there. So he he sticks the eyedropper in his head. Uh, and the beard man's like, oh, he'll be all right. We'll, we'll come back to him. And I, he, us, the viewer, we're like, um, are you sure about that? That That is a hole 
in a man's in head. head. Yeah. <laughs> um, and by the way, Mariano has upgraded his wardrobe. He is now wearing a black and gold tracksuit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The man dresses well. Um, and then they have a captive, like I said. This is a man who is referred to as a soldier, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's told that he was chosen randomly. Um, so this is where we start to get the sense that, huh, I guess there are other people in this world. It's not just the three people. There's There are other people outside. Um, and it's at this point that it becomes readily apparent that the girl is whatever Kool-Aid uh, was served to her, she drank it all. Yeah, because um, she's speaking in unison with Mariano. Um, and there's there's just a couple of cool lines here where uh, like remember that chance is the greatest criminal to roam the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what prompted this. Maybe you remember, but the the soldier that they they're holding captive in the cave, uh, he's he starts screaming his lungs out. Was he prompted to do that? Like was yeah, he he, told, to- he tells him to scream. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like along the lines of these are the last sounds or words you'll ever speak, so just get it out. He's he's telling him, he's like, listen, we have nothing against you. This isn't for revenge. We have no motive for this. You were chosen at random. And he's like, and this is, if you want to get this over with and you want to make peace with this, he's like, we're going to take this off, take this tape off, and you scream as much as you can. And I guess it's to kind of like get out that that fear or that frustration of knowing that you're about to die. And they yeah, the dude screams his face off, and then he he kind of he stops and he's like kind of crying a little bit. And then um, uh, Mariano starts singing the Mexican national anthem, I believe is what it is. Mm-hmm. And they all like he starts singing it, and then Fauna starts singing a little bit, and then the soldiers start singing it, and then they really get into it. And at the end of the song, he kind of makes his peace with it. And yeah. And he kind of makes his peace with dying. Um, I think th- at this point in the movie, um, the director hasn't explicitly stated this from what I've seen, but this is where a lot of um, critics and people who are reviewing the film say that this film is supposed to talk about um, specifically Mexican or Latin America um, sensationalist news coverage about how... There's a high crime rate, a lot of drug use, and the media make it seem like it's so much worse than it actually is. Or they put it in a way that it's like, oh, this is interesting. There's uh, somebody had somebody was like shot to death down the street. This is really cool. Like that's what a lot of critics were kind of thinking. And he doesn't say that at all. And I feel like this is one of those moments where we start to where they they might have gathered that from. Hmm. Yeah, I I didn't see that at all. But then again, I'm not Mexican. I say I'm not familiar <laughs> with that's what the that if I hadn't read the director's uh, little little interview, I would have said probably next this because I think if that's what he was going after, this is going to go a little over our heads because we're not familiar with that culturally. But from what I've gathered from the director is that that's not what he was going for. So I'm like, oh, okay, so there's there's more to this no, than what I, they're. I don't think I see it, uh, but I really love this scene. Because uh, everything you said is totally accurate to the way it plays out, where it's like, when when the man is prompted to scream, he fucking screams. Yeah. And yeah, when they're all singing together, he gets into it. Mm-hmm. And li- like you said, by the end of it, he's kind of like at ease. Like yeah. he's he's tapped out. He's he's okay with things. And yeah, sure enough, uh, Mariano, uh, the girl kisses him on the head. By the way, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Mariano tells him it's better if you close your eyes. And holy fuck, this throat slash was excellent. Yeah, um, it's pretty like, good. I mean, this is not why you watch the movie is no. for for like gore or anything like that. But I'm guessing somebody somebody went out of their way to actually record like a butchering of an animal uh, mm. because that the click of of the knife hitting the the jugular or the throat oof it's like yeah okay okay <laughs> that's that's not I a movie you. sound that's not a movie sound effect that that sounded pretty fucking real yeah um and yeah they dump his uh his drippings his his throat wound blood uh into a bucket disgusting a, bucket yeah, it's a busted-ass bucket, uh, similar to the one that he was serving the eggs with. Um, and then uh, we do a hard cut to uh, Mariano and and Fauna, um, and they both have blood on their mouths, so it can be assumed that maybe they sampled the blood or something. Um, and they lock eyes with each other. And it needs to be said, uh, Mariano is very, very short. Um, we I don't think we mentioned this, but... He's like 5'4", yeah. Both of the kids are significantly taller than him. Um but yeah, uh, he and the girl, they lock eyes with each other and they start doing like, they start mimicking each other. Like he's leading, yeah. but she's like mirroring his movements. And there's a slow drum beat on the soundtrack and there's jump cuts here and there. But uh, long story short, uh, she falls into his arms and like they embrace each other. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, we cut back to the, the brother and his head is like, the the number one tool in this building apparently is tape. Uh, so we we have yeah. taped his head, and by the way, we put the tincture in his head wound, uh, and then we they start pouring the blood into his mouth, and uh, oof the the density of this fluid was uh, <laughs> that did not look like a cozy uh, cozy drink. Um, no. It's it's thick as the kids say, um, but yeah, uh, the bearded man uh, goes back to his distiller. And this time he pours like gore into it. Yeah, it's like soldier juice. Yeah, it's it's buck. It's the soldier juice from his throat, and he pours it into distiller. And I guess it worked. Oh, no, it looks <laughs> like he's mashed up the dude. Like he's gotten rid of the body. Like he's oh, using okay. the body. Like when I say soldier juice, I mean <laughs> it's it, he's put it in a blender kind of deal. He he has juiced a man. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we go back to the cave, and is now red and blue. Uh, and at this point, the girl, uh, Fauna, she has brought another girl into the cave. Oh, I think I've got a theory. I think I've kind of pieced it together now. I'm making sense of it. So oh. I think that maybe we, the, we've constructed religion in uh, response to these primitive urges, like the, the primitive urges of the taboo of having sex with, you know, the sibling. And that's where she's like, Lucifer, wake up. Like, we've made a devil of it. Like, we've pushed... We didn't move just a little bit away from it. We've gone so far away from it that we created this construct of religion. Because shortly after that, she says, Lucifer, they have them praying. Um, Mario's reborn, which could also signify, you know, the rebirth of Christ even. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we're getting into what's coming up next is uh, sexuality. Not just between those two, but between another girl. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, they brought another girl into the cave, and mm-hmm. uh, she, her first question is, "You guys have food, right?" Uh, so clearly, she ended up here because you know she she's looking to survive. Um, 
But yeah, uh, instead of food, though, Fauna gives her uh, the eyedropper. And she's like, oh, it, it's better. It makes you not want food. Like, it makes you f- it makes you not feel hungry. And the girl is very resistant to this. Like, she is not into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Fauna starts aggressively fondling and kissing her. And again, excellent acting here. This girl is not, not feeling it. Yeah, she is not enjoying herself. Um, and to make matters worse, uh, the brother, uh, his head wound's apparently better. Um, he crawls out from the darkness, um, and he witnesses uh, he witnesses this spectacle of his sister mounting this this poor girl who is crying, by the way. Um, and we get another murky black shot. This time, it's like bumps on someone's spine and we hear rumbling of fluid uh, again calls back to imagery of like a womb of some sort um and yeah a uh, whole whole manner of things happen here um but long story short uh the girl is now naked fauna has stripped herself and this girl naked um and then she trades places with her brother mm-hmm. um, so her brother uh, brother sister m- three-way yeah, uh, her brother uh, straddles this this girl who again is not having a good time, and then uh, she's 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 getting into it a little bit more now. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the the worst part, like potentially like even more disturbing, is uh, Fauna rolls over beside them and starts masturbating violently, and screaming. she is yeah she is screaming and crying as she's as she's I guess trying to keep pace. Um, this whole sequence is like really the the camera combination of the camera work and the editing and the strength of these performances is intensely disturbing. Um, this is maybe the most intense moment in the whole film, if you ask me. Um, just because it, it kind of comes out of nowhere, and uh, what what Fauna is doing, I think, is the the most intense part of it to me. Because again, the, like it's just a, a combination of two things that should not go together. It's like this is a person who is pleasuring themselves, but is like doing so violently and is apparently like enduring some sort of emotional pain of some sort. Well, or maybe even physical, like maybe she's unable to get where she needs to be or something. And it's it's causing her to throw a tantrum or something. Uh, it's yeah. very disturbing. Um, but again, very, very well done. Um, but yeah, the orchestra starts freaking the fuck out here. Um and it, it just adds another layer to the chaos that uh, adds to the tension quite a bit. Um, and at some point, uh, Fauna like sits up, and she has this crazy fucking expression. She screams directly into the camera. Um, and then we start getting random shots of, well, not random, but there's a guy in there who looks vaguely like a priest. Um and he it's just he wasn't apparent in the scene up to this point but then we just like cut away to him and he's like lit in blue and he has this monkey like almost monkey butt hair <laughs> um he he he's i don't know what he represents but he's I th- there <laughs> i'm really i'm really starting to feel this uh i kind of an anti-religious message near the end of the film i think that as we move along, like Mariano starts to represent the devil a little bit because we get very hellish imagery, um, especially in the cave. It feels like he's like devour me, and we get the orgy, and it looks like hell in there, and it's very much it's what you would think of like 
uh, in like a theater setting of what hell would look like, like a Dante, uh, Dante's Inferno kind of look of hell. He might be getting at, because we introduced Lucifer, um, we're having, uh, sexuality is very much a part of this, and I think it might be kind of like the, um, uh, what, there's a word I'm trying to, t- trying to use, I can't think of the fucking word, um, <laughs> like how restrictive um, religion is towards sexuality, like it's very much married, man, woman, um, you can't really explore sexuality, it's not, it's not something that religion wants you to do, more or less, <sighs> I can't, I'm I have what I'm trying to say. I just can't say. I can't figure out what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but keep going. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, we get this moment where Mariano, uh, like you said, he says, devour me. He says, eat every bit of my rotten flesh. And he also mentions flesh is the spirit itself. Um, not sure if that adds to your theory here. But, um, yeah, uh, there is an orgy going on. And we keep cutting back and forth between uh, a woman. I, I can't tell if it's Fauna, but she's crawling a, on the floor naked. It's a music video orgy where it's not like these people are having sex. It's very much just like people moving in very like it's it's the Matrix Reloaded cave scene. Where it's, yeah. yeah, you get the idea. But people are just kind of moving like they're having sex near each other, almost like dance sex kind of thing. Yeah. The, you haven't seen The Matrix Reloaded, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But, I've um, seen that scene. I know what you're talking okay. about. That scene is laughable. But <laughs> no. uh, there's there's one guy in that scene that always makes me laugh because he's, he just, like, jumps up and he, like, goes, Yay! <laughs> it's like, like, he's just like, look at my pecs! <laughs> um, and, yeah, that, that scene looks so sweaty and nasty. <laughs> like, the smell of that cave must just be awful. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, that guy that I mentioned that looks somewhat like a priest, I don't know what his deal is. He, The way he's framed gives him an air of significance and import. Like It seems like he's important, but I have no idea who he is or what his role is. He's just fucking there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still got all his clothes on, and he's significantly older than everyone else in the room except for Mariano. Um, and he starts, like, it looks like he's... Oh, no, that comes a little later. But anyway, uh, so Fauna's, like, crawling around on the floor. Uh, there's a bearded... Uh, Mariano is spinning uh, with the pregnant little girl. Uh, he's, like, dancing with her. and He's, like, they have their arms outstretched, and they're clutching hands and spinning like you do. And then we do a, a snap cut uh, to Mariano's head decapitated and being held by someone off screen. It's just his head center frame, and it's a not very good green screen shot of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but whoever whoever severed his head did not cut it off because it looks torn the fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then we're post party at this point, so everybody's coming down. Um, and it looks like Fauna is suckling her brother's head wound on the floor. Yeah, that's when um, this is when I got the uh, what are you watching from my oh from my, my girlfriend's roommate like oh I can't tell you really and uh, yeah she's suckling her brother's head wound he's not moving so he might be dead um, yeah. not sh- not sure here but um, yeah this is where uh, the gentleman who I said before stands out quite a bit um, he starts singing happy birthday yeah 
and it's this long sustained shot of him i believe lit lit in yellows and blues um rocking back and forth i think with his eyes closed and the way he's moving his hands is almost like he's conducting an orchestra and i don't think that they're singing happy birthday that's the thing that's I don't what, think so either. They're saying something else, like reborn. Welcome to being reborn or something like that. Yeah, it. there's significance in the lyrics here. Unfortunately, I didn't write them down. Um, but yeah, it's this weird moment where this guy just has this almost like soliloquy where he just sings and the camera's just locked onto his face. Um, and again, I have no fucking clue who this guy is. But, um, And then yeah, some guy in the in the group on the floor in the, in the orgy he awakes and he's wearing a dress uh, he looks looks like a caveman look, yeah he looks a little bit like a caveman and he looks thoroughly partied out mm-hmm. and he just kind of like casually kisses the girl that's laying on top of him and he starts heading out and then we get this series of tracking shots following him from behind walking through a building and at first the building is the building we know so the like either the apartment or storehouse or warehouse uh, where the entire movie took place and then we do some jump cuts still following him from behind to what looks like a stairwell and then like a parking garage and then finally we come to a shutter door and a bright ass light shining in and he walks outside Mm -hmm. and it is a it is an urban street bustling by the way (laughs) yeah bustling uh, there are there are cars there are people it looks like modern day mexico like <laughs> and then we follow him for just a few more moments walking down the street and we we see that indeed we are pretty much in the world as we know it i think i i think i've figured out what the film is trying to say i i've i think i've got it for what it means okay okay so we as a species from uh from a very primitive time uh, indulged in these intrusive thoughts. They weren't intrusive thoughts. We just indulged in it. And then somewhere along the lines, we learned how to reason coming from the Hellenist, like the very Hellenist, Helen of Troy looking uh, statue from the beginning. Um, at a point we started to reason and religion came up, came around and it actually demonized these things because especially in like, that um, during that time in like ancient Rome, sexuality was very fluid. It was very men had sex with men. It was not uncommon. It was homosexuality was open along the line, somewhere along the lines. Religion came through, uh, demonized that and shut us off from these and made them, um, it made them intrusive thoughts. Where it's like we can't think like that. You can't have those thoughts. Uh, and that's where the the hell imagery and kind of the Lucifer comes along. And he he brings on he takes on like a Lucifer type feel in the cave and it's kind of representing what it is now and you have this man at the end of the film leaving the cave and going into what the world is now kind of trying to approach this a little bit like a man in a dress I think it kind of resembles what we're going through in our culture right now like we're trying to explore sexuality and tell other people like hey it's a you don't have to understand it just let people do it like let them explore this mm-hmm. i don't know i think that that's the best that i'm going to get out of this um, <laughs> but i think with the guy who looks like a priest very being very judgmental of it i think that kind of supports my theory a little bit so i don't know what you think no i i, I think you're on to something um it didn't occur to me that he looked like a priest until i said it and i was like ah 
That's I'm what play, I, I'm playing into Kyle's hand. <laughs> he look, he did. That's he does. I didn't he even does. write it down. I just like there's a guy that looks like a uh, a not. Um, he's not approving of what's happening. Well, yeah, he's not engaged in in the orgy that's happening all around him, um, but he's very much in it. Like he's witnessing all of it. But um, I can't speak to the, the broader themes like that. Like I don't have any major theories about that. However, I do have like a minor one that. Uh, like I said, I've been turning over in my head as we've been talking. Um, I think Mariano has a couple of rants about the rock and roll ballad, like about the strange choice of music that we get during um, both the first incest sequence, well, only incest sequence, and uh, his rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's referencing his own birth. Like, I think, I think maybe there's a case to be made for like this being a like twisted recreation of his own birth in some ways mm-hmm. where it's like maybe he was the product of incest i mean the pregnant little girl mm-hmm. you know if anybody was to sleep with a little girl or something like i wouldn't be surprised if it was like a perverted brother of some sort yeah. and then the music that he's referencing he's 47 years old that's not too old but I don't know, I'll go by the Canadian rule where it's like maybe Mexico is like 10, 20 years behind America in terms yeah. of in terms of musical innovation. <laughs> but um I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like he was conceived to that to that song. Interesting. And, you know, in the reality of this movie, maybe somehow he's aware of that. And same with his birth and and maybe the the scene where he's born like with the well, I guess when he when he's decapitated, the the disapproving priest guy you know he makes mention of the phrase happy birthday like maybe that's representative of of someone who was present when he was born like maybe a, like a grandfather or maybe a, a priest like a something along those lines i'm not sure but for some reason like i can't get away from the, the little girl and i i suspect that's supposed to be his mom well i think even the um um Lucio being shot and the soldier being murdered, you mm. could think of, you could think of the separation of church and state. Even think about what a soldier represents. He's he's representing the the country as a whole, and if the people who are in power or the people as a whole or the country as a whole is very religious, then this person is the one putting the bullet in Lucio's head, where uh, Mariano is saying like. You should be thinking of these things. You should be indulging these ideas. And you have somebody being shot literally in the head where this is supposed to be happening. And they mm. execute the soldier for doing it. Not him specifically, just because he was, you know, he was chosen at random. Mm. So, I don't know. that I, there, the Him being shot in the head made me think of, like, the damage that religion actually does to that, to thinking like that. It's oppressive. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's definitely a theme there of, especially earlier in the film just about this idea of maybe maybe receding into yourself and embracing things that are social taboos like maybe there's an element of like truth that comes with that that is is more powerful than we than the value we place on it and he's Um, denying her like it like the brother's 
denying her after they've had sex. She still wants it. Like she exactly. still is, is sexually attracted to him. She's denying it. And that that's when she turns into the rambling person pissing in the uh, in the hallway where it's mm-hmm. like you're almost taking the humanity away by taking this away from somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, this is a very rich movie in a lot of ways. I'm, yeah. I'm I wish I wish uh, I wish I had watched it like a few hours before we talked about it because I do too. I watched it earlier in the week. Yeah, so did I, and it's it's not as fresh in my mind as as some of the other movies we've covered. But I don't know. I feel like we got a good talk out of it. I did, and, I mean this, no. And I'm I'm glad we we. I'm glad we finally got around to this one because mm-hmm. this is a movie that I I think I would never would have watched if I didn't have an excuse to. Oh, I would have watched it. I mean, that's you though. Yeah, me. I I'm too. Watched it. I'm too busy watching shitty kung fu movies and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so stuff like this, it's like I uh, I pride myself on trying to be aware of movies like this, but the number of times I actually turn them on and watch them is very seldom. See, I know what to expect in the like the kung fu movies you have me watch. I'm like, I know exactly what's gonna happen. In these movies, like this is what makes them fun. Is like I have no clue where this is gonna go. I don't know what it's gonna bring up with thoughts, what childhood memories are gonna come up associated <laughs> with stuff like this. Not that any did in this particular case, um, but I mean, like the lighthouse made me think of my time, like my, my me in the in the navy because there's very much a uh, the relationship that they have. I mean, it's very you know nautical. Like the the job itself is nautical, but the relationship they have is very much um, the hierarchy. Like it's you know chain of command kind of deal. Uh, but yeah, this one was a this was a fun this was a ride. Like this this was probably one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, like just for what it's showing you, and also trying to hold on and trying to get some some kind of meaning out of it. It was it was challenging. Yeah, not gonna lie, taking notes while watching this movie was a bit of a nightmare. Like, I, had to, I had to fan my shirt a couple of times. Like, whew, it's a little hot in here. Well, I mean, it is fucked up shit month, so I, yeah. I think we we finally achieved true fuck up fucked upness. Not in the way that we thought it was gonna go. Not 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 in the way we thought, but like, hopefully, we can keep the streak going. Yeah, what do we could. got for next week? Well, you know, I haven't quite decided. Um, <sighs> anti-birth is still something i'm thinking about but i don't know i I appeared i don't normally it's funny i don't really read reviews for movies um i i catch wind of them and then i just kind of decide whether or not i'm interested and that was the case with this one Uh, we are the flesh i i didn't know anything about it i just saw a trailer uh read a blip about it and was like i want to see that Mm. um same with anti-birth except for i i broke my my code and i did read a couple reviews and it mm, it does have chloe savigny in it though that's funny mm. that you mentioned her earlier uh she got she got that nose that's like that works for me in some level <laughs> she's like a saoirse ronan like they both just I, there's something about saoirse ronan i find very attractive don't know what it is same with chloe savigny young younger chloe savigny yeah, yeah. she's kind of kind of pushing it now uh, uh, but um and also i, I noticed that lose is on shutter right now um, yeah i've got shutter for a couple more days i so I do i <laughs> so if you if you're iffy about the other one maybe we should just pull the trigger on lose because i was actually leaning more toward lose myself as far as well, choices th- well that's the fucking funny thing kyle is that the only reason i i me not you put lose on the list is because i thought it sounded good to you oh really mm. so 
if we do that one, that'll be, I guess, my gift to you. <laughs> you gotta no, 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 no. I, I, I think I might go with that one because I know, I know nothing about it other than yeah. it's disturbing, um, yeah. and it's foreign, which I don't have a problem with. I kind of which dig country, that. What's the country of origin? I believe it's German. Oh, uh, which is a new one for me. I haven't really watched German movies before. Well, you mentioned that other one that your friend told told you said I should watch. Dark um, Waters. Dark Waters. Yeah. From 1994. Um, Actually, he's been throwing a lot of suggestions at me the past couple of days. I don't know if he's really bored. Um, I do know that he listens to the show, though. So if we we do that one, I will give him credit. Um, But yeah, Dark Waters from 1994. uh, In particular, it sounded like something you would like. Okay. Um, Also, there's a movie called, I think it's called Come and See. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's unavailable. I I don't want to watch that for, for fucked up shit month. Um I want to I'm, watch it in general, but it's on. I cannot find it anywhere. I've yeah. tried to find it for like a year now. It it involves uh, Nazi extermination of certain peoples. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, a controversial topic. Uh, it hits a, presses a lot of buttons for a lot of people. Um, I've heard it's a very very good movie. Um, very intense. Very disturbing. Um, I think I would watch that on my own time. I don't know yeah, if I would do that, it for the show. I wouldn't show. do that for the show. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for now, I think Lose is the front runner. Um, and uh, more than likely I'll go with that one because like you I have Shudder for a few more days also (laughs) and for an alternative if we absolutely need a backup I'm down to do Martyrs okay yeah that that's the uh, that's the panic button button. because I haven't seen it either but of course I know it by reputation also a a contemporary of that is uh, Inside which I would also like to watch um, funny enough, both that and anti-birth deal with uh, pregnancy as a big source of the disturbing material in the film, gotcha. which is ripe ground for building disturbing imagery and concepts from, because uh, that shit's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, before before we close up shop here, um, I want to throw out there a movie that, um, not for the show, but uh, I, the production design for We Are the Flesh. Uh, I forgot to mention this while we were talking up front, but um, Dave made a maze. Have you heard of this movie? Mm-mm. Maybe look up a trailer because it, it looks like uh, it looks like indie schlock, like you know, like let's put Imagine Dragons on the trailer and then or no, the... whatever the fuck Miles Teller is in. Yeah, he and is let, the indie schlock king, dude. Let's let's put some uh, ukulele on the soundtrack and <laughs> life is beautiful. Um, kid kids. Kids singing and dancing in the rain because, oh, my God, life is beautiful. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, the production design for Dave Made a Maze. I've never seen it, but I remember catching a trailer for it when it first came out. And um, the concept, I guess, is it's like an imaginary world where some guy made a world out of cardboard. So, like, all the props and stuff are, like, handcrafted. And it has a, it has a vibe to it. Anyway, okay. it, it just came to mind when, when we were building the, the cave in We Are the Flesh. I just wanted to make sure to put that out there. But um, anyway, uh, thanks for joining us uh, as we caught up on We Are the Flesh. Um, Hopefully next week uh, we continue our hot streak of exploring the world of fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, Until next time. So I'm recording this after the fact of talking about the film with Trevor, We Are the Flesh. And I just, I couldn't stop thinking about the primitive aspect of the film with uh, the religious references they weren't super strong they come up occasionally but I just feel like they're on there in there on on purpose and I'm starting to think that 
perhaps the the religious aspect is a way of um, denying the intrusive thoughts, as you can see the authority figure uh, who we think is a priest in the in the cave at the end, and maybe him being there is a way as like a dissonance for these um, intrusive thoughts, and ultimately with the ending of the film leading to the man walking out of the cave and into civilization, maybe that was a part of our evolution was we had to confront these intrusive thoughts, go with them, but ultimately ignored them in order for us to um, thrive as a species. Um, and I think that, uh, I think the director chose to go with a taboo, uh, that's, I'm sure, <laughs> very primitive, um, to, to explore with the film, and I think it's effective, um, but ultimately, yeah, I, uh, I think that's what the movie's about, um, yeah. <laughs>